0: Beyond Belief.
1: Treasure or Trauma.
0: Hosted by Marissa and Russell. We live in a world where the non-secular and the secular live side by side. Where hypocrisy is disguised as religion and the only explanations are usually bullshit. Can you separate the good from the bad? To do so, you must break through the web of your upbringing and open your mind to things beyond belief.
1: Oh no, no.
0: Hello everybody. It's uh, Russell and Marissa here. We're I alive. You, I guess you could talk for yourself. I don't need to <laughs> introduce you. <laughs> so Marissa, where we been? huh? What's um up?
1: I've been actually being held captive for the past six months. The pandemic's been going on. No one's been looking for me. Uh, Russell actually just found me and I was like, hey, let's do another podcast episode. We haven't done that
0: for a while. Yeah, I mean, I found her locked in a basement and the first thing she said to me was like, let's record a podcast.
1: Exactly. <laughs> I, I'm trying to move past the trauma.
0: So anybody who like listened to when we did our other podcast. Where we like read Christian books and you know basically reviewed them and clowned on them, we kind of found that that was kind of torturous, really. Like
1: it's it's hard to read books for me. I'm I'm a millennial. I have a really 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 finite span of attention. Like I'd be reading these books and I would just like bust out my phone and just start chatting. Uh, I'd start watching a movie. So it's. It's hard for me to read books as it is, books that I'm interested in. Right. But it's even more difficult when it's something that I loathe and had to read when I
0: was growing up. So
1: that was, it was, you know, this is supposed to be fun. This isn't supposed to be a chore.
0: I agree. And it was feeling a little bit like a chore for a while. Uh, But now I think we're going to retool it. And I think it sounds more fun. Do you want to talk about it? you want me to talk about how we're going to retool this?
1: Yeah, so this is this is kind of and, – and, you know, let's just say we've been in a pandemic. That's my overall excuse. That's um, <laughs> such a great one. You such know, a great one. <laughs> life, life has been fun. Politics have been fun. Uh, countries probably going to get invaded soon. You know, all that fun stuff. So yeah. trying to just keep it light, Keep have this as an outlet, creative little outlet for us.
0: Right. So this new podcast, which we're calling Beyond Belief – what do I say? Beyond Belief treasure or trauma treasure or, trauma.
1: <laughs> treasure or trauma so it's fiction
0: not not factor fiction that's a different thing completely because uh, you know
1: they're all fiction because religion hashtag atheism
2: <laughs> Ooh. uh
0: exvangelical is that what it is exvangelical
1: uh, i'm so uh. sick of
0: that term but go <laughs> ahead what we're gonna do is for anybody who remembers and for those who don't uh i grew up mormon marissa grew up what did you grow up something. like? Some, so, yeah, uh, something, yeah, something. Where's my, where's
1: my, where's my fifteen second elevator speech? Um, elementary school Lutheran Baptist. At the same time, going to a Methodist <laughs> church. Graduated from Baptist school, and now I'm just an angry young woman.
0: <laughs> right. So every episode, we're gonna one of us is gonna introduce the other one to some cultural element from our upbringings. And we're going to discuss it, make some jokes, you know, enjoy it.
1: This is not going to get too heavy. This is not going to be like a therapy session. No, no. You know, how I got traumatized by VeggieTales,
0: you know. Right. And then I think every episode we're going to decide together if said item is a treasure or if it's something that, you know, causes trauma. (laughs)
1: Exactly. It's like something if this movie, did this movie bring, you know, is it a goofy movie that yeah, I don't believe the doctrine in it, but was it overall enjoyable? Was it something we can laugh about later, or is it something that you have to discuss with your therapist and we're, you know
0: we're basically like marie Kondo-ing our cultural experiences.
1: Um, and specifically with, you know, gonna be focused on evangelical Christian media. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So I uh, I bit the bullet and I picked I pick the, the first subject uh, of this reboot, um, which is, let's just get into it. It's a 2000 movie by the godfather of Mormon cinema, Richard Dutcher, uh, called God's Army. This is the movie that, that changed Mormon <laughs> cinema. It did. It really did. I know it sounds and funny, see, but it did. You
1: say that, but I have never heard of this guy. I've never heard of this movie. Um, <laughs> the film, the filmmaking, I don't know what sort of film they used. It does not look like it's from 2001. It looks like vaguely well, 2000. early 90s, 2000s. Sorry. Yeah.
0: Richard Dutcher, let's talk about him for just a minute. Uh, we can talk about him more in depth later, but uh, he is a multi hyphenate. He is the star of this movie, he wrote yeah. it. <laughs> He directed it, produced it.
2: He's a
1: triple threat. <laughs> he's a quadruple. He's he's got talent out the wazoo.
0: Is, is um, what say. And he's he can be in his mid thirties and, and play twenty nine, right? Like, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. So let's let's just let's just put this out there. In this particular film, the writer, director, actor, producer Richard is playing. Per him, he's a twenty nine year old Mormon missionary does not he looks like the he, he's like the hello fellow kids of the mormon missionary like he's balding he's got bags under his eyes you look i looked it up he was 36 at the time
0: yeah yeah um so when i picked this movie i told you that i picked this movie for a very specific reason and that i wasn't going to tell you until we recorded mm-hmm. do you have any idea what it, what i'm talking about there's so much it. going
1: on in this movie. I imagine as you said, you know, you grew up Mormon, so I would imagine this is a movie you've probably seen a handful of times in your life already. This was my first time seeing it. It's on YouTube mm. with um Spanish <laughs> Spanish subtitles, which really added added a nice little nice little flair to it. I I will um, tell
0: you it's it's pretty fitting because the first time I watched this movie was a bootleg DVD. <laughs> so Oh man. <laughs> so The reason why I picked this movie is Marissa and I have talked in private a lot about like how I came to leave the Mormon church. Um, And we're not going to get into that now. It's too heavy. A lot of stuff to do with my (laughs) brother, a lot of stuff to do with my mother. But uh, I will tell you that I saw this movie when I was 16 years old. And this movie is what first planted the seeds of doubt about the Mormon church. Like this movie made me question the Mormon church. And one line in particular <laughs> has stuck with me to this day. Oh, man. And do you know what it is?
1: You know what? I don't. I don't. There there, uh, there were a lot. I wish I had a script of this because there is the film, the screenwriting of this, <laughs> not great, but I do want to <laughs> know because... There's, there's going to be a lot here. I, this is movie was not what I was expecting from a Mormon film.
0: So we'll, I'm not going to tell you yet. We'll, 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 we'll recap the film, and then when we get to it, uh, I'll, I'll call it out. But before we recap the film, let's talk about who Richard Dutcher is just a little bit. We're not going to do a full bio, but we're just going to talk a little bit about him and what he means to Mormon cinema. All right. So really quickly, I'll tell you. Mormons have a history with with filmmaking that goes back to the beginning of filmmaking. For the first twenty-ish years of movies being a thing, there were a lot of anti-Mormon depictions on film. I mean, so, yeah, come on, like yeah, a lot of westerns where the Mormons were the bad guys. Um, I mean, come on, let's let's be let's you know.
1: <laughs> so the Mormons they did, they did some stuff.
0: The Mormons recognized pretty early on that they had to control the narrative there and uh they got a hand f- uh from the Hayes code because and some people allege that the mormons were instrumental in, in this being the case but the Hayes code uh which you i'm sure you know marissa
1: can you uh, remind me of what it is again just so, for um those right, so, who don't remember <laughs>
0: The Hays Code is a code that, that happened like 1930 that uh, film studios had to abide by for like decency purposes. Mm-hmm. So thing, things that are pre-code, movies that, that are pre-code will have like swearing in them and they'll, oh. have, they'll have like weed being smoked and stuff like oh. that.
3: Oh I know, God. right? Oh but, my goodness. And,
0: and, and post Hays Code for a long time, they didn't. Um but uh, <laughs> one Haze of code. one of the parts of the Hays Code says that you can't make a movie where you bash a religion. And that really helped the Mormons out. <laughs>
2: <laughs> They're like, yes. Because they
0: were they, they were taking a lot of heat about it. Uh, and so the Mormons, I mean, they made some big budget stuff in the 30s. They made a lot of like evangelical materials uh, for decades. But everything was co- coming out of the church and not by like individual members. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so it's just kind of more propaganda
0: ish yeah and uh, there were definitely like Mormon filmmakers Mormon actors Mormon directors who would do mainstream projects Mm -hmm. that weren't like faith based at all Um, one of those guys was Richard Dutcher Richard Dutcher was an aspiring filmmaker in the 90s and he made one film before he made God's Army uh, which was the 1997 film Girl Crazy. So the deal about Girl Crazy is it was like a four-year project that he had to make a lot of concessions on. And it challenged his, well, not his faith, but his faith kind of like made him not want to make a lot of changes. Like they wanted nudity and they wanted, you know, sexual activity in the movie.
1: I mean, it is called Girl Crazy. I Speaking as someone who knows nothing about this movie, about the plot or anything in it, like um
0: it's it's a romantic comedy that uh is not mormon in theme at all and dutcher is embarrassed by it he won't release it uh it it did have a limited run in the 90s in 97 on hbo and cinemax um i can't find the copy anywhere i've looked for a while now like years have you have
1: you seen it at all
0: no, I haven't seen it at all. I I wonder if the reason why he won't make it available cuz he won't. He has the rights and he won't make it available. I wonder if the reason is because maybe he did like make a concession that he feels bad about.
2: Mhm.
0: Oh, I mean, okay. Cuz it cuz it ran on HBO and Cinemax in the late 90s. Yeah, but <laughs> Oh um, man, this is tem- oh, I someone out there is going to be able to find this for us. Yeah, if you if you have like an old VHS copy of Girl Crazy I will. I will get it from. I will buy it from you. I have a VHS. I can play it. Uh, So he made this movie, and it didn't go the way he wanted. He was feeling disillusioned, and he was going to give up filmmaking. And the way he tells this story in a magazine article that I found um, from Meridian Magazine way back in two thousand, Meridian Magazine's a lesser Mormon publication. (laughs) There's so many Mormon magazines. It's crazy.
1: I'm just, like, fascinated by all this. Like, it's all a whole new, like, subculture I've never <laughs> thought about.
0: Right. So, according to this article, Dutcher's interview, Dutcher says he was going to quit, and he was cooking hamburgers on his porch, and he was reading the L.A. Times calendar section, and he's, he noted all these, like, niche cinemas that had constant and reliable distribution, like Indian films and gay and lesbian cinema and the article goes black cinema and blacks in quotations like the only word that's a quotation it is a mormon
1: magazine (laughs) let's let's face it it's a mormon magazine so (laughs)
0: uh we'll talk more about that when we talk about the film right
1: (laughs) yeah it's actually Um, a hot topic
0: so so then the thought hit him that he's like where's the mormon cinema you know we we have a, a fan base uh, and that's why he decided to to make God's Army the subject of this podcast.
1: Do you think he like slammed down the spatula while he was cooking the burgers and like flipped over the grill? I just think it's <laughs> it's really funny when people give like flashback stories about this and they say like I know what I-. it's like. Okay, you're cooking
2: burgers.
0: <laughs> the real story is he was cooking burgers and he was like, I can exploit the Mormon audience <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, As
1: he looked at the meat sizzling on the grill and the grease dripping into the fire.
0: So this was this was the first like real Mormon movie, um, and his effect on Mormon cinema was immediate, right? Like within the next four years, there were a bunch of Mormon movies, uh, with titles like "The Singles Ward," "The RM," RM means Returned Missionary, and "Mobsters and Mormons." <laughs> That's a good God. one. Uh, also, non-LDS studios started making movies for Mormon audiences like the Anne Hathaway vehicle, The Other Side of Heaven, oh. it, which is about a missionary. Um, so, this movie, God's Army, he made it for $300,000 and it grossed $2.6 million at the box office.
1: Did this have I a could, wide release? Was this in theaters?
0: So, it it was the first Mormon film To be uh, screened at theaters outside of the Mormon corridor, the Mormon corridor being Idaho, Wyoming, Utah, you know. I learned Um, a new phrase today. Yeah, Arizona. It did. It did uh, show at like smaller theaters. Okay. Um, It might have been at the Grand. That was kind of like the place, the kind of place that would screen it. You know, so like the the small indie
1: theaters, and I can I can see that. You know.
0: I'm sure, I couldn't find any numbers on it, but I'm sure it made at least that much in DVD sales. Yeah. Because even, even though I watched a bootleg copy of it, um, I remember for years after this, there was a display of it at uh, the Deseret bookstore, which is like a Mormon bookstore. Oh, um, wow. Like for years after this movie, yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> like there was a display of it. So I'm sure, I'm sure... Most American Mormons probably have a copy of this movie. Yeah, um,
1: and I mean, there's a certain audience. There's this very certain demographic right. that will will not go to a theater and just buy it on DVD.
0: When when this movie, right? When this movie uh, ended its initial initial theatrical run, it was the highest grossing LDS film of all time before but, we get
1: too far into it I know like you've been saying LDS and Mormon interchangeably do they have a preferred I've heard different things as far as like that is interesting that you, you bring know. that
0: up so so if you want to be real if you want to respect members of that church you would you would call them a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of latter-day Saints Nelson the current uh, president, prophet, and seer of the Church of Latter-day Saints. He actively discourages members from calling themselves Mormon or using LDS. Oh. Uh, he, he said... You got to say the full
1: title. Oh, yeah. He
0: said that whenever someone says Mormon or someone says LDS, Satan wins. Like, that's literally, oh. like, how he feels about it. I'm just going to start
1: mumbling under the, my breath that phrase all the time just to get a little, little victory for <laughs> Satan.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, though, Get real, dude. Nobody's got time to be like we're talking about. You know, members of the the Church of Latter Day Saints. You know what I mean? Like, I
2: mean,
1: and the Church of Jesus be, Christ know? of
0: Latter Day Saints. You got, you can't forget getting, the.
1: Jews. You're getting the use in there. They like their acronyms. <laughs> they like their YOLOS and their thrusts You gotta just gotta do LDS. You gotta keep it, you know, simple. Right.
0: So, according to Box Office Mojo, God's Army at the time uh, of its initial release was the fifth highest grossing film with a Christian theme of all time, regardless of affiliation. Um okay. it's still it's still sixty-seventh on that same list. I mean that's pretty impressive because there's Isn't been the so grand
1: scheme of things for a movie I've never heard of. Um right. and it's as we get into it, like it's it's got some really talkable points but that's still pretty impressive for something that you know it's not big budget filmmaking it's what you said three hundred thousand
0: right um so let's let's get into the movie now we could talk more about dutcher later the movie starts with an airplane yeah uh elder allen elder brandon allen is our like main character and he is a 19-year-old Mormon from Kansas who is going to L.A. for his mission. They are playing Lance. A couple of really insignificant elders pick him up. You know, really, they're yeah, not main characters. They're just like, like
1: random, you know, Mormon guys and they <laughs> yeah. make fun of him from being from Kansas.
0: That—that—that that, that is, I felt, okay, so they're in the van and one of the guys is like, where are you from? He's like, I'm from Kansas. Well, you're not in Kansas anymore, Elder. <laughs> <laughs> no. And that's kind of like a running joke, but they only do it one other time. Like, I, I, I feel like he abandoned that as a joke, Dutcher. Yeah. Like,
1: they, I think they uh, mentioned something about tornadoes, and it's like, yeah.
0: Guys. But come on. like,
1: I mean, they're Mormons <laughs> who are trying to joke with you. They only have so many <laughs> frames of reference for uh, jokes. Right.
0: Make- those guys take Alan to meet President Beecroft. Beecroft is the mission president uh, for this LA area. He's like the boss. And I'll put a clip in from that scene, but I just, why I want to talk about it is because as you watch the movie, if you reflect on that scene and what Beecroft knows about Alan and his family situation, mm-hmm. he's kind of fucked up.
3: I got a letter here from your bishop about your father. He's going to be in prison for a very long time. He's my stepfather. He's my stepfather. says in here you're sealed to him. That makes him your father. How's your mom doing? She asked
4: to have her name removed from the records of the church.
3: I suppose you're wondering what you're doing out here on a mission while your family's falling apart back home. Your dad served a mission. A lot of good it did him. You're not here to do good for yourself. You've been doing that for 19 years.
1: Right? Like, <laughs> it, it made me super uncomfortable when I was
0: watching it the first time. So, so B-Croft's talking about Alan's dad, his stepdad. That's what Alan, He's like, uh, I heard your father's in jail. And uh, Alan's like, my stepdad. He's like, uh, you're still sealed to him, aren't you? Then he's your dad.
1: See, this is something where I'm like, I think Russell's going to have to explain to me what sealed means.
0: Okay, so sealed means that um, Mormon families can be sealed together, which means they can be sealed in a temple for eternity. So when they die, they all meet up in heaven, and they're all together.
1: There's also a really good Fairly Brothers movie called Stuck on You with Matt Damon and Greg (laughs) Kinnear, and they're sealed together literally as conjoined twins, but... (laughs) This is sealed in the Mormon sense.
0: They will 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 get to talk about sealing a little bit more later because there's a really I know there's a scene that you really love in this movie about sealing. I uh, love breaking all the glass ceilings. <laughs> um you don't even remember what I'm talking about. We'll talk about it There when were we get so there.
1: many good scenes. I have so many notes <laughs> on this movie. Okay.
0: So so um we'll talk about in a little bit, why it's so fucked up that B. Croft is talking to Alan like this. But after he talks to him and he tells him, you know, it's not about you. It's about doing God's work. He introduces him to his companion, his his missionary partner. Yes. Right? And this guy is, is Elder Dalton. He's 29 years old and he's played by Richard Dutcher. Who I didn't Um,
1: know until after you started talking about him. And I think I had to look up who this guy was because I wanted to know how old he was. And then (laughs) I noticed, oh, it's the same name as the writer-director.
0: Right. So Dalton, who everybody calls Pops, is 29 years old. Dutcher is much older. He, He meets Alan. He's like, let's do some good. They leave. Alan thinks they're going home.
1: Yeah, he's got, like, all his luggage. and (laughs) And
0: And Pop's like, we are going home, one door at a time. Is this our place?
5: Nope. Well, who lives here? We're about to find out. Why can't we just go home first? We are going home. One door at a time
1: be so pissed off like i get off of fl- like yeah it's not a long flight from kansas to la but you're and like, he's, flying east to west. he's flying east yeah. to west yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm tired i've never been here before and they're like let's just load up our old vw van that we got from who knows where and you'll find out i guess i think don't we find out later
0: where they get it from oh you? no that's a, that's a different van and they're okay and and and, and Alan and Dalton in this scene—they're not driving a van; they're just walking.
1: Okay, yeah. So they're just walking with all his luggage, door to door, until you know the end of the day.
0: <laughs> so uh, they knock. Uh, Dalton knocks on a door. A guy answers. He tries to blow Dalton off, and Dalton is like a fucking telemarketer, <laughs> like yeah. more than more than just a door-to-door salesman. He is aggressive.
1: And I will say all the people for the most part, all of the doors that they knock on with a couple of exceptions, the people are pretty like, nah, I'm good. Like I'm not interested. Thanks. Yeah. They're they're just like, no, I really don't want to talk to you guys. Like I'm good.
0: The next door, the first door Alan knocks on is not like that.
1: (laughs) It's not, but I, I I think that's intentional.
0: He, uh, he knocks on a door and, I'll cut in the clip right here.
2: You don't knock on people's doors like that!
5: Well, at that rate, we'll be home before you know it. <laughs>
0: um, so then they continue to knock on doors. They walk by a couple of sex workers that know Pops. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They're just um, kind of like, and you know they you know they, they just have two women that are have like what they've just got like short shorts on and crop tops, and they're in l a, yeah,
0: like, and hey, like
1: elder they're
0: they're very obviously sex workers, but Alan doesn't know that, and he's like, who are those girls? like yeah he's like a um,
1: very naive fish out of water from Kansas City is his right, his, his portrayal.
0: And Pops is like, read the book I gave you, read the book I gave you. He's always selling. <laughs> and uh he gives Alan this speech about how this mission isn't about him, it's about God. Kind of like a more aggressive speech that Beecroft gave him, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um and and then they go to the next door. And oh, this is <laughs> Pops Pops uh is like, knock on the door. Alan's like, I knocked on the last one. I'll put the clip in here, the full clip. It might be like a minute long, but we're going to do it. It's
1: worth it. It's worth it.
4: Yeah? Hi, I'm Elder Alan, and this is my companion, Elder... Don't. Dalton. And we're missionaries from the Church of Jesus Christ. Not again. We have a short message. How many times I have I to tell you guys?
6: If you come knocking on my door again, I'm going to step out there and I'm going to beat you to death. Hey. Buddy, take it easy we're just we're just trying to share something with you if you're not interested that's fine but there's no reason to be rude rude yeah i'm rude i'm not the one knocking on your door all day i'm not even gonna listen to this hey hey get your foot out of my door i'll get my foot out when you apologize to my companion yeah i'm not apologizing to
5: anybody you're gonna apologize and then you're gonna sit down and you're gonna listen to what we have to say yeah i'm gonna get my gun you open this door get in there and teach him a lesson
0: he knocks on the door and this black guy answers and there's rap music playing in the background. (laughs) And the black guy is like, I'm tired of you guys knocking on my door all the time. And, and Dalton's like, "Uh, you need to show us some respect. And the guy's like, I'm tired of hearing this shit. I should beat your ass. Well, he's like, he's like, I think he says uh, I should uh, beat the life out of you or something like that.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a Mormon movie. Yeah.
0: And, and and then uh, he's like, I'm going to get my gun. And he goes in to get his gun and pops, kicks the door open and he pushes Alan in and they turn the lights on. And what is it, Marissa?
1: It's all your Mormon boys who are there <laughs> on their mission. And this was so uncomfortable for me to watch. I'm like, what the hell is happening here? Um, they went a little overboard on the... Um, the prank? the prank um, and as you come to find out this this uh, mormon missionary who's there the one black mormon missionary who's there named Banks is he is the one who they uh, put up to this prank but these right. guys love these guys love pranks there's a there're a bunch of 20 uh, something guys living in a house right uh, probably very sexually frustrated oh, have for to sure. go door and door, go, go door to door they don't really have any agency so of course they got to right. prank each other
0: so, um after the prank, the camera angle changes to this like point weird first point person point of view yeah. for only that scene and he like goes and he meets all the elders. Um and uh so he meets Sandoval and Banks is like Banks introduces him to Sandoval and he's like Sandoval's f- girlfriend is marrying his big brother. And that is like that's a real thing that like happens. I figured
1: that's like a Mormon thing.
0: Well, so because like, like they they they, they kind of allude to it a couple of times in the movie, but you have to understand that like a return missionary, they they are swimming in women, right? Really? Like, oh yeah, because like especially if they go somewhere exotic or you know like like I I knew people who went to Brazil. I knew people who went to like. The Canary Islands, and they come back. And when you come back on your return mission, you you give your your testimony about your experience, and all the eligible women are just like fawning over these guys. Dang. Like, yeah. So, like, obviously, Sandoval's big brother came home from his mission while okay. while Sandoval's on a mission, and stole his girl. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's uh, um, that's just like kind of mentioned, and you're like, wait, what? <laughs>
0: Yeah, 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 and um, like they 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 kind of talk about the return missionary a little bit later with with Sister Frank, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. Um, so he meets everybody else. He meets Mangum, who's this like dopey white guy, yeah. and he meets he meets Keniger, and Banks calls Keniger a Spud. That's that's Mormon slang uh, that I think you probably can figure out. He's a Mormon from Idaho. Okay. Um, and And why that's significant is because Mormons who are from that Mormon corridor, Idaho, Wyoming, Utah, they're like old school multi-generational Mormon. I figured. so so like they don't even they don't talk about it in the movie. If you read like synopsis of the movie, they, they describe him as a like a fifth generation Mormon. Mm-hmm. so so Kinniger doesn't like the prank.
1: Yeah. But I will say, in context, knowing that now, it actually like changes kind of how I feel about some of the things that happen in the plot. Oh, really? Well, yeah. What happens with Kinniger's character later. Right.
0: Yeah. That's and we'll talk interesting. about that. Yeah. So, so, so Kinniger takes uh, Alan to his room. He shows him his room and he tells him that, that he thinks uh, Pop means well, but that he, he tries too hard. And then he like leaves. And Alan has a rough night, and he runs away to the bus station. You mean Alan does? Yeah, Alan does. At this oh point. yeah, Elder, yeah. Elder Alan does on his first night. He runs to the bus station, and and Pops and Banks show up, and they basically bully him into staying.
1: <laughs> I mean, watching this, he gets into the room that he's they they they. they you know, have the bedroom with like a bunk bed and the bunk bed looks like it's made out of plywood or something. <laughs> it's like, it's like a budget dorm room. And I'm like, oh man, would I really want to be doing this in like my 20s with just like a bunch of guys in the house. They don't right. really seem to have a lot of money. They're living in LA. No. So there's a lot of, uh, you
0: know, temptations.
1: But at the same time, it's like, what the hell?
0: <laughs> right. And they're paying to be there. I don't know if you know that or if the rest of, the world that's listening to this knows that, but to be a, a Mormon missionary, you have to pay for that experience.
1: Which is uh, like mind blowing to me. Cause we talked <laughs> about when they were like going out to eat, like who's paying for this if they're, if they're not technically employed
2: right? And
0: they're so it's crazy. The, the, the church gives out some loans to, uh, you know, needy missionaries, uh, but you're expected and your family's expected to pay the, the bill and the church charges you now. I think it's 500 a month. At that time, it was like three or four hundred bucks a month, which they do kind of very casually allude to a couple of times. Like you talk about, and we'll talk about when they got to eat, uh, Sandoval's eating food, and Alan, who clearly doesn't have any money, just steals fries off his plate. Like, you know, it's really fucked up. That aspect of the church is really fucked up when you think about the fact that they have a, the church has a portfolio worth a hundred billion dollars. Yeah. A hundred. That, that was disclosed in 2019. I don't know if you know that, but they have, they have a portfolio worth a hundred billion dollars and they can't pay these guys. <laughs> like, them
1: and they make them take a loan. Like they don't right. even give them like a stipend or anything.
0: No. Right. So, so, yeah, so Alan runs away and he's at the bus station. He's trying to go home, and Pops and Banks show up. I'll put the clip in, but the the way they get him to go is because Pops, it's not working at all. But Banks sits down and he's like, talking. He's like, You got a girl? I bet you miss your girl. He's like, I don't got a girlfriend. Um, <laughs> and, and, and Banks is like, Maybe it's a words of wisdom problem, like, you know, drinking or smoking. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's like maybe it's a morality problem and that's what gets him right hey hey
6: you got a girlfriend you miss her I bet it's not a girl I don't even have a girlfriend
5: he doesn't want to talk about it
6: okay so what are we going to do here for the next three hours Maybe it's a word of wisdom problem. I mean, maybe we like to take a drink now and then. Maybe. Or maybe it's a morality problem. Maybe he's in love with you.
0: Fine, I'll go back. Just leave me alone.
6: Okay, good decision.
0: Yeah. In- insinuating he's gay is what makes him stay. And that's just like so Mormon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I do.
1: I do say like, I mean, I like I think the Banks character is probably one of the the better ones in the movie, even after the weird introduction with him of like, he's kind of like the token black Mormon in the house. But <laughs> I, I think it's it's interesting what they do with his character.
0: And Deshaun Terry, the actor that plays him. I mean, he's a legit actor. He's he's on the morning show. Uh, yeah I, so
1: I I yeah. actually looked him up because and I didn't want to discuss this on our like pre our pre-recording but right. he was in an episode of HBO's Room 104 which I hate to say I've seen every episode it's a very miss <laughs> show but he's in one of the episodes and I'm like that's why he looked familiar but I mean yeah he's a legitimate he's a legitimate actor and I I think you know his his part in this movie was was pretty decent and actually probably if it was just all rando white guys struggling with their faith. (laughs) He, he brought an interesting angle and there's, you know, there's some parts in this movie where his plot, you know, we'll, you know, we have a couple moments where he's kind of the focus of the scene and it just kind of, you know, he says his reasons for being there.
0: We're we're, going to get there to that for sure. And I got a clip of that. I really want to play that because that's probably the best acting in the movie. Yes. Yes. 100%. Um. I will say that the guy that plays Sandoval is also a legit actor, and he's been in a bunch of stuff too, like smaller projects, and he does okay too. He's very comedic in this. Yeah, he's like uh, the
1: goofy comic relief yeah.
0: character. So yeah, so they they get Alan home. At, at first, Alan's like, "I want to go," and Pops is like, uh, "I don't want any deadbeats. You got to do things my way." And they go back and the next morning they wake up and it's breakfast time. Kinniger is eating breakfast with Banks. And this is the line that started my leaving the church. Kinniger is uh, reading some anti-Mormon propaganda and he goes, did you know there were horses in the Book of Mormon? There are no horses in North America until Columbus. It's a documented fact.
4: Book of Mormon talks about horses in in America. America there were no horses in america before columbus it's pretty much a documented
6: fact why are you still reading that
2: stuff
6: it's as bad as pornography how do you expect to defend yourself against these people and these people are the enemy you want to look stupid in front of them
4: you gotta know their weapons and their strategy
1: you know you
6: got some weird terminology there i ought to be reading the scriptures not this garbage
1: yeah they were like brought over right they're not a native (laughs) species
0: right so like that so that
1: that was the line for you
0: well, that question was like, yeah, that's a really good question. And the reason why that question stands out, because getting ahead of ourselves, Kinniger questions a couple other things in this movie too. And as a whole, rewatching this movie, I actually was like, man, there are so many things that could have led me away from the church in this movie alone. It, oh, made yeah. me, it made me start thinking, and a little bit of a spoiler alert, in 2007, Richard Dutcher left the church. Like, when I heard that in 2007, I was like, did he make an anti-Mormon propaganda film in God's Army? And I don't think he did. But rewatching it, you can see, at least I think you can see, his own doubts.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's maybe not intentional, but definitely some <sighs> things come up where right. you're like, yeah, that doesn't really make any sense. And it doesn't
0: really get resolved either. So the reason why... That line kind of like got me though, is because I asked people about it, right? Uh, I asked my bishop about it. I asked my youth leader about it. I researched it myself, and none of those answers were satisfying. And they people have bullshit ideas, like because there are a lot um, of, of scientists and archaeologists that believe horses were in. North America, the the things that evolved into horses were in North America like ten thousand years ago, and they <laughs> migrated. They migrated the other way, right? Like that's that's an actual scientific opinion. However, we're talking about two thousand years ago. Yeah. Right. Those those things that don't resemble horses anyway, weren't there. Then you get into like translation. They're like, uh, well, Joseph Smith was was translating reformed Egyptian. Which I'm gonna tell you something is not a thing. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so horse horse could mean anything, right? But no, come on. Anyway. I think that's
1: funny because I kind of view that as like I didn't really think about it too much. I thought it was kind of like a throwaway line. Right. But it's interesting how on the flip side, like that was such a revolutionary thing to be like, wait, let's uh let's talk about this.
0: Right. And Banks doesn't give him an answer either. Banks is just yeah. like, I'm ti- I'm tired of your shit. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's like look it up in our books for a change um, right <laughs> like so, none of
1: the answers like that come up <laughs> during this movie are really satisfying they either and, just like cut them off or be like yeah that's not
0: true and and that is what makes it feel like an anti-mormon propaganda film when you think about richard dutcher leaving the church but really it's kind of like an honest thing. It's, these are the questions that Mormons deal with. And if you think about them too hard. <laughs> you know, well, the horse question. Right. So uh, at breakfast, while they're having that conversation, Sandoval's doing sit-ups and Mangum's holding his feet and Mangum starts telling leper jokes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which we don't need to talk about, but I'll just put that clip in here. Uh, should, so people can enjoy some leper jokes. <laughs> what do you call three lepers in a hot tub?
4: Five. Stew.
2: Okay.
6: Six. Why'd the lepers have to stop <laughs> their poker game? Because they threw their hands on the table.
4: Okay.
2: Hundred
0: This'll do it.
4: Why'd the lepers have to stop their hockey game?
2: Nine. There was a face-off on the ice.
4: <laughs> there was a face-off on the ice.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's
6: pretty good.
1: Yeah, these these guys have I they definitely very sheltered sense of humor.
0: <laughs> I think uh Deshaun Terry Banks is like I think the worst acting he does is in that scene because his laugh is like super fake. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Pops and Alan are doing their personal study and then they go back to knocking on doors, and Alan knocks on a door, and a woman speaking Spanish answers. <laughs>
1: Oh man. I know you're gonna put yeah, this clip
0: in because it was one of my sure. favorites. So y- you wanna talk about it?
1: Yeah, and I don't I don't <laughs> want to make like a mockery of it. I just want to explain, you know, admittedly, if I spoke any other languages than English, I would totally do this if <laughs> a not even maybe just an evangelist, but any sort of telemarketer came to my door <laughs> is you know, they knock on the door, you know, as they do, and this woman comes up and starts, you know, speaking Spanish and you know, doesn't speak English, and she's trying to convey that. No,
6: no, disculpeme, por favor, no entiendo.
5: No entiendo nada. Uh, está bien, pues somos Look, I'm
1: very busy right now. Why don't you just go talk to somebody else? All of a sudden, Dalton just whips out, like, pretty... You know, pretty impeccable Spanish. And (laughs) her whole facade just drops. And the lady's like, look, I don't want what you're selling. Or something equivalent to that. And just like, you know, just very (laughs) blunt English. And it's just, yeah, it's actually pretty amusing.
0: It's it's one of the uh, more genuinely funny lines. Because there's a lot of parts that you laugh at, ironically, in this film. That... Or maybe not supposed to be funny. Oh yeah. Uh, but this this is one of the, the 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 jokes that really lands, I think. Um yeah. just because that the actress does such a good job. I mean she does <laughs> it's so good. Yeah,
1: just um, the realization of like my trick did not work.
0: <laughs> right. So then there's a montage of them of Alan and Pops handing out pamphlets and people just throwing them away. <laughs>
1: i mean who hasn't who hasn't had that happen to them though you know
0: i know like when you give somebody a flyer or pamphlet like on a boardwalk or something you're basically just giving them trash to throw away
1: yeah it's like and doesn't even matter if it's religious or they're like selling their record or something right it's like i do not don't shove this crap in my hand and they're in la
0: right so after after a long uh afternoon of you know giving people trash to throw away uh, pops it <laughs> pops alan meet up with sandoval and kenniger at a diner a diner that they apparently frequent all the time but this is the only scene we get uh yeah two, i imagine two. that
1: they like they're they let these guys like wash the dishes in exchange for not having money <laughs> right? it's just like they i'm i'm sure they're just like the four you know the Mormon guys that come in and don't have any money and, and just like awkwardly flirt with the waitresses. Uh,
0: so uh, I, I will also say that uh, this movie takes place over the course of like 10 days. Um, and there's a lot packed in that 10 days. There is. <laughs> there is. Uh, most of the movie takes place over like five days. So they're at the restaurant. As I said before, Alan, who's a poor guy from Kansas, who... His parents don't give. Well, his mom doesn't give a shit about the church anymore. Yeah, and his stepdad, dad, sorry, is in jail. His real dad, he hasn't seen since he was like seven. Yeah, right. Um. So he has no fucking money. Nobody's supporting him on this mission. Yeah, it's <laughs> <You> interesting. <know? laughs> um. So so they he he doesn't order any food. He just picks food off of Sandoval's plate and. Connie the waitress comes up and she's cute and Alan thinks she's cute yeah and she's like
1: she's like definitely like kind of flirting with him and oh
0: for sure I like when, when she's like hi I'm Connie and he's like I'm Brandon I mean I'm I'm Elder Alan
1: <laughs> <laughs> way to lose your identity
0: <laughs> uh, she walks away to get their oh because Dalton orders this ridiculous order Um Wait, he get,
1: like a milkshake and shit
0: yeah he gets, he gets a burger with onion rings, not on the side, but in the burger. And then some fries on the plate and uh, a milkshake. I don't really want to put his order in because I have so many clips, but yeah. uh, it it's a ridiculous order and she walks away. Brandon doesn't get anything. Alan doesn't get anything. And Sandoval's like, have I been out too long or, or is, is she beautiful, right? And then they talk about, Dal- Dalton goes, great line. He goes-
5: Well, you know what they say? You don't look once, you're not a man. But if you look twice, you're not a missionary.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And and I think Kinniger maybe is like how many times you look, and Alan's like once and Dalton's like once. And Sandoval's like, I'm still looking once. And he like (laughs) cranes his neck to look at her. And she comes back and he's like, So we come in here a lot. You know what what we do, right? And she's like, Yeah, you're like nuns but men. (laughs) You know we're missionaries, right?
2: Sure, I
6: know.
1: You guys come in here all the time.
0: So you know what we do, right?
1: Yeah, you're kind of like nuns, but you're men. I feel like that's pretty much how it would go in a real interaction. They're just oh, like all oh, super for sure. pent up.
0: Con- Connie is so real there too, because he's like, uh, if I leave you a, a book, will you read it? She's like, you don't have money for a tip, do you? <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'd be pissed. I'd be like <laughs> no. Uh
0: is that a worse tip than one of those fucking tracks that's looks like a dollar? Uh, or, no, you know what? $20. I think the
1: I think the ones that look like a folded up 20 are the worst because it's the, the illusion bad. that you're actually getting like a, a fairly significant tip versus a book of Mormon. Yeah, I'd still be pissed off, but it's at least it's not some weird deceptive scheme to get me to read
0: it. Right. Uh so so she leaves again and Kinniger who's still looking at anti-Mormon propaganda. Uh, it, he he brings up uh, the discrepancy uh, in the first vision, Joseph Smith's first vision, about how Joseph Smith gave four accounts of the first vision. And, and Dalton pushes back. And he's like, he gave different accounts because he was speaking to different audiences, which is a cop-out. I'll just tell you that. We don't have to get into it, but that's a cop-out. And... <laughs> And then Kinderger responds with a line that is definitely written by a Mormon, <laughs> which is like, uh, then how come uh, they didn't teach that Joseph Smith saw Jesus Christ and God uh, until the 1900s, right? And, and that's not the argument. Nobody makes that argument. But it's close enough to the argument while being wrong, that Dalton can be like, that's not true, you know? Yeah. John T- Tyler taught it and Orson Pratt taught it. The the issue is that Brigham Young didn't teach it. And Brigham Young was the prophet of the church for 40 fucking years. Well, for 29 years, for 29 years. Uh, and he didn't he didn't really teach the first vision, right? Hmm. So, like, that's the big question. It's not like that nobody taught it, right? It's like, why did the number two guy didn't teach it? And the reason why he didn't teach it is because Joseph Smith gave some shady accounts of it.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's just like, yeah, I know. I got, (laughs) I got my church bells going next door. It's 4 PM here on a Sunday.
0: What were you saying though? I'm sorry.
1: It's just funny that he keeps bringing up this stuff and I feel, I don't, they don't really introduce how long Kinniger's been living there like right. on his mission, but he keeps up bringing this stuff that I feel like there'd be some sort of intervention where you're like, dude, like, it sounds like you're pretty skeptical of all this.
0: Okay. So I will say that this is a theme that I think if you're if you're Mormon, you might pick up on that I don't think Dutch are intended. After watching this movie, I don't know, maybe a dozen times, I think that... I can say Dutcher did not mean for this to be a theme, but there's a really real criticism that is made by Mormons and ex-Mormons about the LDS church that they focus too much on evangelism and not enough focus on like fellowship. And that's especially true when like a member, somebody who's already a member expresses doubt. Mm Mm-hmm right which you know you're really encouraged not to express doubt and that's a historically mormon thing and i know that's true of other faiths and i know that people who are listening are like yeah but that's not really different oh it's different because like when you do express any kind of doubt like kinniger does in this movie you are met with hostility and like if any of the the non-mormons that dalton talks to that he gives these materials to said so i want to ask you about the first vision and the different accounts he would not treat them that way yeah he would not you know and and, uh i don't like i said i don't think that dutcher intended that criticism to be there but it's there i mean you can definitely watch this movie and think it's critical of that very thing
1: oh yeah yeah i mean it just comes to a head when it just it's It seems odd to me that someone who has like all these persisting doubts would actually be on a mission, I
0: suppose. So there, well, so, so you have to remember, we're talking about a spud. We're talking about a guy who is expected to do this.
1: I mean, yeah, he's Um, basically born into it.
0: And, and, and the reason why I can really talk about this. So I, when, when we were uh, messaging about this ahead of this podcast, I mentioned that Dalton had to be 29 and not 36 because, mm-hmm. because the the cutoff at that time was 28, right? Now now it's 25, right? So at that time you, you had 19 to 28. Now it's 18 to 25. And so they the, you can go as soon as you finish high school now, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and I remarked that if that was the case when I was 18, I probably would have gone on my mission, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But as I acknowledged, uh... Earlier in this podcast, I was already expressing doubt, but I would have just fucking lied. Yeah. I spoiler would, alert. Russell did uh, not go on a mission. I did not go on a mission. I left before that. Um, and the mission did have a lot to do with that. But my, my main point is that at that time, even though I had doubt, I was under so much pressure. Okay. Right. That th- I, I I would have lied. And that's what Kittiger did. He says so when he's later, spoiler alert. <laughs> he, he says, "You know, I lied, right?" Um, yeah, but because he's like, he's a fifth generation Idaho Mormon. Going on your mission is what you do.
1: It's true. He couldn't have just been like, "See you guys. I'm not going to do this," and and basically, right. from what I understand, with the LDS faith, you know, pretty much be ostracized and excommunicated right. if you're like, "No, I'm not going to do this."
0: When 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 I, so I made Margaret watch this movie. Margaret, my wife and uh she's like Kennerger's the hero of the story and i mean <laughs> if you if you watch this movie from kennerger's perspective he kind of is brave i mean he's being brave by I mean, doing what he's saying doing it
1: to other people who have basically their whole livelihood and now like their mission no pun intended in life is based on this and there is a scene we'll talk about it in a little bit but he's at the dinner table at night and just like having an existential crisis i've got that clip too don't worry it was it's good it's it's a good development
0: so so after after the whole first vision thing pops and alan meet with a latinx family and you know this this guy, maybe 50, Yeah, he's he's, he's like a Mexican guy, and he's like, we're Catholic, you know? Your mother was Catholic, right? Like, she was devout.
6: I'm Catholic, and your mother was Catholic.
2: I know, Papa.
6: And your grandparents, and your great-grandparents were Catholic. We know that, Papa. You've been good to us. Your mama always took us to mass. Your mother was devout. But these missionaries, they have the Lord's spirit.
0: Because the context, they don't say it explicitly, is that his eldest daughter converted to LDS. And now the younger daughter, Anna, no, Laura, Laura, Laura is now converting. But because Laura is underage and still lives with her dad, he has to give the blessing, give give his blessing, right? Yeah. And he doesn't want to do that.
1: It's super weird. I don't know that as someone from looking from the outside in, it's just kind of, and they're, I feel like they're just trying to persuade him, like do it. Like, you know, the elders
0: come over and talk to him. It, if like, if you watch this film, not our audience. (laughs) watches this film. They will, they will look at it. I'm sure. Like the Mormons are trying to rob this guy of his culture. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. Um, because because and that is something that mormons do (laughs) like um well i mean they do we're not going to go into it in this podcast but like uh the the lamanite placement program and all that shit is pretty fucked up the history of the mormon church is pretty fucked up so that this guy says no he's not going to give the blessing right they leave and and laura's all upset one thing i'll say about it and i'll put a clip in laura's like uh when I met with the missionaries, I felt the spirit, right? And it's like, I bet she 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 finds one of those missionaries cute. Laura
3: felt it. She felt it at my baptism. I feel it like
0: every week
4: at church, and when I pray, I want to read the scriptures, Papa.
6: Do you feel the spirit when these boys come to visit? I do. Do you feel it now? I do,
2: Papa. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: It's just like, can I can, uh, Elder Allen uh, be the one to come over next time?
0: <laughs> um, he's going to fill me with the spirit. He's going to fill me with the spirit. Oh, that's terrible. Um, <laughs> we're just going to go for a soak. Uh, uh, that's terrible. Uh, uh. <laughs> then Pops and Allen walk by the sex workers again. Pops is like, uh, did you read that book? And one of them's like no, and the other one's like I read it.
1: Steve, <laughs> um, give him the answers he wants.
0: And and he like turns around and he gets in her face and he fucking interrogates
1: her. He's like it. he's like quizzing her about the content.
0: He's like, what was your favorite part? And she tells she tells the story about uh, the, the prophet Benadai, the Mormon prophet, and it's a really fucking depressing story. And it's like, why the fuck are you? Why'd you pick that story? <laughs>
1: I mean, I anticipate her being like, I liked all of it.
0: Uh, Abinadi, she. Uh,
1: I honestly thought that story that was being told was totally made up because the names just sounded goofy.
0: Uh, Abenadi,
1: Like she was just trying to like make something up that sounded like it would be in no, the Book of Mormon.
0: No, that's definitely in the Book of Mormon. So, so he was like, she's like, so can I get that appointment now? And Dalton was like, yeah, let's do Saturday night. And the other one's like, we're working Saturday night. And you know what that means. <laughs>
1: I, why would i But also, why would you need an appointment with like the Mormon elders to like talk about the book?
0: So, like, this is very clearly this is you know you got to be worried about the worldly women trying to get you, right? I mean, they're going like, to get
1: them in this appointment,
0: but like, the, the, so so the idea that that that's their plan, right? Their plan is to to get this appointment and and to get them. Uh, yeah. That doesn't happen. We'll talk about that yep. in a little bit. They but, get uh, <laughs> um, So then, Brother Rose picks Pops and Alan up in his van. This is the van you were talking about earlier. And yes, the yes. And you want to talk about Brother Rose and who Brother Rose is?
1: Yeah, he's. I don't. They do. I don't even. They. Met, they must have met this. It's this older guy.
4: So, Brother Rose, are, are you in our ward? Uh, brother
5: Rose isn't baptized yet. And why is that? I keep forgetting.
1: And what does he do? He drinks coffee is like yeah. his his, his so, like vice.
0: So this is this is the only thing that kind of strikes with me. I think that brother Rose is probably related to a member of the church.
1: Okay, that's what I thought. I'm like, this has to be someone's like uncle or something, because he would because, not get involved with him otherwise.
0: Because like my dad's not a member of the church, right? We've talked about that. And my yeah. dad my dad would do shit like that for the Mormons.
1: Just like, like help him out and stuff, right? But,
0: but like but like yeah, like my dad would play basketball with the Mormons, you know, he would, you know, buy yeah. them groceries. He would do all sorts of shit for the, the missionaries. But like Brother Rose, what's funny about him is that he's totally an invention, right? Like this 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 kind of person doesn't exist who Right, the, yeah. The on, the only the only reason why he won't convert is because he can't give up coffee. Like, like that's, that's what they, that's what they kind of. And that's what I, I mean, that's would what say. I would directly like, say. I'd be
1: like, I'd be all for it guys, but you know, can't give up my coffee.
0: So, like, so you think, you think that the whole thing is that Rose is like, I just don't believe your fucking story. But, but I'm just going to use coffee as an excuse. And like, you know, maybe, maybe my fucking daughter or my wife or somebody is a Mormon. So I'm going to be nice to you guys.
1: Yeah. I feel like it's like, um, I'm going to help these guys out They're You know, they, uh, can't get laid. They're really poor. Um, there's a so, dude who says he's 29 hanging out with them, but he's actually like 40. Um, I just so, think it was bad for him.
0: So, yeah. So, like, um, so I think that, yeah, you're either you're either supposed to think that Rose is, like, a family member of somebody who's a, who's a member of the church or that Dalton uh, met him and just gave him, like, a super fucking hard sale. Yeah. Right? Um. Because I think he just he a, feels guilty. He's like, right.
1: uh, I'm not going to become a Mormon, but, you know.
0: <laughs> he uh, he he has this deal with, with Dalton, with Pops, that for every cup of coffee he drinks, he has to give the missionaries a ride. Like, who agrees to that deal? I don't fucking know. But um, So he takes them to meet with Benny. And yeah. Benny's this, this, this 24-year-old Asian man who walks on crutches. That would be a pretty fair description of him, right?
1: Yeah, um, I think he just has some sort of, you know, physical disability
0: that's not really they don't, noted what it is. So he's preparing to be baptized. He's 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 been convinced by Pops that the Mormon church is the way to go. And he's got a baptism scheduled for Saturday. And there's a bunch of fucking people at his house. The sister missionaries are there. Yeah, you get introduced to the ladies. So, so Sister Franck... Asks who the greenie is, right? But she never introduces herself. Like she doesn't. She's like, "Who's the greenie?" And Alan's well, she, like, I- "I'm I'm yeah. Allen. And and then Sister Monson introduces herself, and she never front never says her name.
1: Yeah, she's just like the <laughs> like the savvy. Like she's pretty attractive for a Mormon woman. Right. You know, she's got like super long hair and like a prairie dress on or something, and like she's right. the savvy one. Who you can tell is going to kind of like haze him a little bit in like a friendly way and like kind of be a little flirty but also kind of making fun of him
0: she she it definitely seems like she's flirting a little bit but she's also like incredibly rude oh
1: (laughs) yeah yeah i think he's right i think i feel like it's because like you know i feel like i had that age where i'm like i think i'm being like flirty but i'm just being like a bitch and i'm like (laughs) why don't they like me
0: um, so yeah, like, like he's tapping his fingers and she's like, what do you play? And he's like, uh, I played a little soccer. <laughs> and yes, she's like, I met musical instrument. And he's like, uh, not really you. And she's like, I play a cello. It's like a really big violin. I know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> she's so condescending.
0: And, and, and then, you know, she keeps calling him a jock, even though he's not a jock. And yeah. Yeah. He like,
1: <laughs> so this guy, I would say. I would say the equivalent for him how I dis- would describe him if you like don't have a picture handy is he like looks like he could maybe be like the weird fourth brother on like Home Improvement with like <laughs> the like he's got like kind of like blonde curly hair like kind of like like a like a tight cut of like what Justin Timberlake had when he was in NSYNC right. but like, he's an attractive
0: white dude
1: but just like super
0: naive. <laughs> he looks like every buddy I went to young men's with it, it, Like he's the best cast as far as like the look of a Mormon.
1: Oh, 100%. Like, yeah. He,
0: he definitely has a Mormon look. Um, yeah.
1: Kinniger has like a weird, like kind of Crispin and Glover look. like, <laughs> yeah. you know, he's up to something,
0: but yeah. He, he also kind of looks like if you mix Dennis Leary and Steve Zonk.
1: Oh yeah, man. That is <laughs> a spot on impression.
0: <laughs> impression.
1: Impression, uh, um, example. The impression his face made on
0: me, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, the, then Frank is like, was, he says he likes to read, and, and Frank's like, if you like to read, you know, in a jock's opinion, what are your three favorite books, right? And and Alan's like, you go first. Yeah. Um, and I'll put the clip in. I won't like rehash that, but yeah, his. Fucking comeback is just like so great. It's so money.
1: First would be Grapes of Wrath by John Steinbeck. Second would be Tolstoy's War and Peace or Anna Karenina. You take your pick. And then maybe High and Potox. My name is Asher Lev. Have you ever read any of those?
4: I think I read one of Steinbeck's back in high school. It was about the dumb guy and he strangles a rabbit, you know.
1: Of Mice and Men. Yeah. Yeah, it's a short one. Okay, your turn. Wait, let me guess. Volumes one through three of the Goosebump series.
4: Actually, um Hmm. I think my choices would be um the Bible, the Book of Mormon, and the Doctrine and Covenants. Yeah, those those would definitely be my picks.
1: Yeah, I, I do feel like the way that Sister Frank is acting is probably like how I've Act with guys when I'm trying to like sound Super intelligent
0: <laughs> And it um, doesn't work So Right so Then Rose drives Pops and Alan back to their place And Pops Asks Alan what he thinks of Sister Frank Right uh, Who? That's the first time he learned her name So what did you Think of the sisters I think Munson's nice
4: I don't know about that other one though yeah, Sister Front. Yeah, what a... <laughs> what? She's a very smart girl. She thinks so. Well, she is pretty, don't you think? No, I, I didn't notice that.
0: <laughs> Maybe she'd smile once in a while. Right? He's like, oh, like, that, that one? Yeah. And he's, he basically is like, she'd be pretty if she smiled more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But he liked her dress, right? Like, yeah, um,
1: he liked her her dress that didn't show any of her figure. That was just like a, you know, neck to toes. I think it had short sleeves or something, but you know, right?
0: Um, but she, but but he liked it. So they go home. They go to bed, and then Alan is woken up in the middle of the night by pops having a seizure. Um, okay, I'm
1: just I'm just gonna say <laughs> it. So he woke up, and he's alan's on the top bunk and the bunk is just like shaking and without any context of what's happening i'm like what the fuck is someone like having sex or like no i don't think so like the whole <laughs> bunk is just like shaking and it wakes him up <laughs> is is pops like like masturbating like what and then oh he's having a would, seizure of course if it was
0: masturbating it'd be a completely different movie <laughs> I was like, I don't think
1: they're going to go that far, but okay. And yeah, it turns out he's having a seizure because, you know, he's old.
0: (laughs) So he's having a seizure, a grand mal seizure. And I mean, it's like a full thing. And uh, Stick in the mouth. (laughs) Alan Alan, uh, yells for Kinniger, and everybody comes in because he's just fucking screaming. And Banks takes control of the situation. Banks is who he should have fucking called anyway. Right. And, and Banks is like it, it tells Mangum, call 911 And then putting equal importance to calling nine one one, he he goes, we I think no Sandoval goes, we need some oil.
1: Yeah, they need you to do um, blessing.
0: So but but they also, I mean, they deal with the seizure completely wrong anyway. They're like, hold down his tongue. <laughs> yeah, so don't yeah. do that. Don't fucking do that. Um, you're not gonna swallow your tongue <laughs> in a grandma seizure. That's so old. So like seriously, I can't, I can't stress this enough. If you ever see somebody have like a full-on grand mal seizure, do not put shit in their mouth. You could fuck up their teeth. They could choke on it. Like, don't do it.
1: <laughs> and what happens is they like all rush into this guy's bedroom. He's like <laughs> on the bottom bunk. I want to say there's four or five people just like right on the bed with him. Right. And they're like, I think they're trying to like hold him down. They're holding they get,
0: him down. Like, down almond oil. Sandoval gets the the oil and. So you want to talk about you want me to talk about this blessing?
1: Yeah, so. I need to know what's going on because so I feel like, like they're focusing on more doing this than actually getting legitimate medical help.
0: The, the way they shoot this scene is so funny to me. Um, as an ex-worman, right? Because they are definitely like they are treating doing this blessing. They they the way he shoots this scene, it's it's like they're doing first aid. Yes. Like they're the, they're they're like first responders, and they they get the oil, and uh, Kindergur's got it, right? Kindergur's got the oil, and he's he's gonna do this blessing, this to to stop the seizure, to to heal Dalton, right? And he chokes, he freezes, he can't do it. Well, I got oil here. Hold it, hold oh. it, hold it, holding him,
6: hold, hold him, i him. <laughs> hold holding him. Come on.
1: Say the blessing, man. What?
0: Say it, man. Right, like. Um, I mean,
1: I'd be
6: like,
0: <laughs> what is this
1: going to help? I mean, we should actually just be calling 911. I think, so, but I think Banks is calling 911 or someone called Ma- 911. Mangum, Mangum, Mangum
0: is calling 911. And and Sandoval pushes Kinnegar out of the way and he does a, a quick blessing. And then Banks takes over doing the blessing because I guess it was too much for Sandoval. Yeah, they just and, do like a, like. A, well, you know. Every elder there would do a blessing. That's how they do it. Right, they they move through it, but like, um, and we we see that later with Ben. A. Spoiler alerts, but so <laughs> so, banks banks delivers this really powerful blessing. Next scene, Dalton's in the hospital, and B. Croft takes Alan aside, and he tells him the deal. Dalton's yeah, got this, brain cancer.
1: <laughs> it goes from like just being at home in bed to he has a brain tumor that they've <laughs> apparently known about and he has a few months to live.
0: So this was, this was another scene. Um, this was the other part that I'll say, like when the first time I, I watched it, it rubbed me the wrong way as a member of the church.
3: A brain tumor is a very difficult thing to treat. They operated and took most of it out before his mission, but they didn't get it all. It stopped growing, and that's when he put in his papers. He had to go through chemotherapy, radiation. He lost a lot of his hair. He lost his energy. I think that's why they sent him here. Because we have the best cancer center in the world here, just in case. He's got maybe three or four months left. You can learn a lot from him in that time. You're not sending him home. <laughs> Try sending him home. He won't go.
0: Be, be cross like. Uh, I think that's why they sent them here because we have the best cancer hospital in the world. Right. But if you know about how it's supposed to work, like they don't send you anywhere. God decides where you go. Right.
2: Yeah. So like,
0: so like when he said that it was like, like a peek behind the curtain and it was like, Oh, see, like they're not even fucking pretending anymore. It's like, like, let's just (laughs) send him to a place near a good hospital. (laughs) Beecraft's like you know I tried to send him home he won't go, right? He wants he wants to be he's a just good like missionary. very
1: stubborn and dying and
0: old. Yeah. And we we find out I think we found out before this, but Dalton was in medical school when he converted. Yeah, he
1: yeah. So out. he's yeah he um, who is he talking to? I think he was talking to Benny, right? He's talking to Benny. And yeah, he's like he's yeah, I, to I went Benny. to medical school for a few years, you know actually a legitimate career choice.
0: Right. He's talking to Benny because Benny is like, I want to go on my mission, but I'm 24. And, you know, he, uh, Dalton puts his mind at ease. He's like, I'm old too. I went to (laughs) medical school and dropped out. And Benny's Uh like, no, duh, you're
1: old. (laughs) Like, Like, this balding old guy that you are not in your 20s, but let's, you know, your secret's safe with me.
0: So, so then Alan goes to Dalton, who's laying in the hospital, and, and Dalton's like, we have, we have a three o'clock appointment today. Uh, take Sandoval, take Sandoval, take Sandoval, take Sandoval, right? Um, and this is this is another thing where, like, I think this wasn't necessarily deliberate, but because later he'll say take Banks, right, for a very yeah. specific reason. We find but, out why he wants him <laughs> to
1: take Banks.
0: But uh, he's like, take Sandoval. But, like, he doesn't – it's clear that, that he doesn't want him to take Kinniger, right? And even if that's not what Dalton's thinking, that's obviously what Kinniger's thinking, right? Yeah. Like, like he doesn't want me to go on these – and, like, so is this guy who, who's – he's completely feeling isolated. Yeah, Nobody I mean, wants him – Yeah, doubting all this, around. too. I don't think I'd right. want to be going on these – well, I mean, maybe he wants to go and that'll inspire his faith, right? Like because like and look, it's all bullshit. but like <laughs> if you if you're operating in the reality of this show where it's not bullshit, right uh, uh, in this movie, it's supposed to be real. So Alan, we'll, we'll find out later, has a moment where he uh, he, 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 he doubts his faith. And then he's, he's able to come back and he's stronger because he has this moment while he's missionarying, right? Mm-hmm. Is, that the, rob- is that the technical term? Yeah. Missionary. missionary. Yeah. So he's, he's doing his missionary shit and, and he has a moment that like changes his whole outlook and everything. Kinnegar is robbed of any possible chance of having that moment because he never gets to go and talk to people. That's true. So it's like, like, no wonder he's just like, this is all bullshit. Right? Um, so he's like, take Sandoval, and Sandoval, he takes Sandoval to this appointment, and this is, I think, your favorite scene in the movie. It's, he's oh talking to the God. dude, he's talking to the dude with the beard, and he, this, he's, uh, Alan and Sandoval are talking to him about uh eternal sealing, about sealing the family for eternity. That's what and we're I've talking about. I've heard of about.
1: this before, like, don't you get your own planet or something?
0: <laughs> yeah, so, it, yeah. So like We don't need
1: to go in depth.
0: We're not gonna go into depth uh, depth, but uh in eighteen forty-three and eighteen forty-four, near the end of his life, Smith was saying some weird ass shit that got he canonized like, in interpri- the or something? No, he he wasn't old. Okay. Um, <laughs> he wasn't old. He we, we don't need a trip about this, but he he suffered the fate of most cult leaders where he just became Starts. too full of them diary of the mouth well he's just like you know not to get into too much but he got caught fucking a couple of women that he wasn't supposed to be and he was like oh no you know they're my plural wives and yeah yeah that started and then then he came out with like baptism for the dead which is ridiculous Mm -hmm. and uh the whole, like, no, you can become a god and have your own planet thing. That's near the end. You know, a lot of, like, non-LDS Mormon denominations, they don't believe that. Like, the RLDS, I don't think they believe that. Um, they're called the Community of Christ now, but they don't believe that. Um, but uh, back to the movie.
1: Yeah, so they're so. talking to this guy, and I think he's, like, he's in, like, his, like, fenced-in backyard, and there's like yeah. there's, like, a bunch of, like, kids toys and shit thrown everywhere and there's like a there's like a lady in the house yelling off screen and they are they got the sound clips of these kids that are just like yelling around screaming like i'll drop
0: in a clip of this too it's pretty good. it was it was
1: hard it was hard to listen to and not mute it and i do like where they were going with this because they're explaining to this guy like you're going to be with your family forever and the kids are just screaming and the wife's, like, yelling at him to do chores or something. Yeah, like take the trash. You think I want that?
4: What's that again? Um, as I was saying, family relationships do not have to end with death. Couples can be married for eternity in temples.
3: Didn't I tell somebody to take out this trash?
4: I'll do it
0: in a minute. I'm talking to somebody here.
4: sorry. Go ahead. Um, families... Families can have the promise that, that if they live worthy, they, they can endure forever, not, not just until death. Let me get this straight. You're telling me that even after I'm dead, I'm gonna be with my family, you know? That's right. But only if you live worthy, of course. Look, guys.
5: I really don't think I'm interested. He's,
0: he's like, like he's out. like, he's like, really, guys. I don't think I'm interested.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, I know he could he could have been much more. Uh, he could have been much more much more blunt and rude and be like, I do not want to be with this for anything. He's like, no, <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm just right. not not interested. But I, I like what they did there because
0: I feel like the missionaries would be like,
1: yeah, yeah, okay,
0: I see what you mean. Right. So, so the next scene is one that we kind of alluded to. Alan's on a payphone talking to Dalton, who's in the hospital bed, because for some reason, Dalton's calling all the fucking shots for all the missionaries. Like, I don't I don't understand that either. Like, he's... Like, b could make a decision now and then. You know what I mean? Like, um, but he's talking to Dalton, and Dalton's like, we have an appointment. Who you taking? And he's like, I'm taking Kinniger. And Dalton's like... Nah, take bags. Nah, trust me, take banks. take bags.
1: <laughs> I like how you mentioned in the notes, and I noted this too when I was watching it. He's like Kinniger's just like on a disc man, like a <laughs> like a disc man, just like yeah. jamming next to the phone booth. <laughs> what
5: like, do you think okay. he's
0: listening to? What do you think he's listening to?
1: Probably some really. He's probably listening to some sinful
0: music. I think. I think he's like listening. It's like two thousand. I think he's listening. Maybe Blink. I think you might be listening to Blink. Yeah, yeah. I was did. thinking
1: maybe like Green Day or something.
0: Yeah, something like that. So that's definitely like yeah. So um, they go to the backyard of uh, this black couple, and you find out that's instantly that that's why
1: you're like no wonder he wanted him <laughs> to take banks, right?
0: Right. Um, and their kids are playing in the pool, and this is a pretty stereotypical. presentation of black people yeah (laughs) um you're gonna have um, to put
1: this whole clip in because it was really it was pretty painful yeah okay
3: (laughs) you see what i'm asking what's that all about blacks aren't good enough to be priests
6: i already told you blacks can be priests look at me do i look white to you you are starting to look a little white to me yeah and what is this 1978 stuff why couldn't we hold the priesthood before then My daddy was a good preacher. Why couldn't he have been a Mormon preacher? Look, the first thing you gotta understand. Oh, I understand, all right. It's that the priesthood isn't a right. It's the authority to act in God's name. It's not just something you can take on yourself. I mean, it has to be given to you. Oh, by the white man? No, 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 you're missing the whole point. It's not about race. It is about race. It's
3: always about
6: race. And what about that part in the Bible? You know the part that says God accepts everybody no matter what race they are? hmm Right. That's absolutely right. And that's when the Apostle Peter was commanded to take the Church to the Gentiles, the white people, because before that it had only gone to the Jews. It's another kind of parallel. It's the ancient Church of Christ with the Latter-day Church of Christ. And it's probable that we were the first church in the country to have black leaders in front of white congregations. That's right. And I think what Elder Banks is trying to say... Hey, nobody cares what you think. All right. And even when the Jews had the gospel, even when they had the priesthood, not all the men had the priesthood, only the tribe of Levi. They were the only one that were given the authority to officiate in the temple. And that's in the Old Testament. We can look it up. And that's another thing. Why just the men? Why couldn't I be a Mormon preacher? I'm sure I know more about the Bible than he does. Yeah, that's the last thing that y'all want is a black woman behind the pulpit. It's the Lord's authority. It's the power to act in his name. He gives it to whomever he sees fit, whenever he sees fit. That's all there is to it. So when is he going to let us women have a bit of it? Is he ever going to let us have it? I don't know. You'll just have to ask him that. Boy,
3: they are making a fool out of you.
1: This is the part of the Mormon church that I am somewhat familiar with. Um, They have some good questions, too.
0: but uh, They make great points that Banks can't really Oh, yeah. I feel like
1: at the end of the scene, it just kind of cuts off. Like, he doesn't really explain anything that really satisfies them and says, like, oh, they have, you know, none of the people that they talk to are like, yeah, you have a good point. I'm going to listen to you. It all just kind of ends.
0: And and, and the reality is, like, Mormons Mormons have to compartmentalize this, right? Yeah. Because you can't really say it the whole reason for it is because Brigham Young was a racist piece of shit. So like, yeah,
1: they have I mean, like his line of thinking, like I, you can tell Banks has been told, you know, he, right. he kind of goes into his history. Right. But it's just interesting where he's just like and naming he, off he, these points and that they don't really answer the question.
0: Right. He does. He does make, he does bring up a talking point, common talking point that Mormons have, which is that, uh, the LDS church was probably the first church uh, in America to have uh, black people at the head of the church, you know, uh, ministering to people. And that, that is, that is a, tr- a true statement, but it doesn't really answer what happened, right? Like, no, <laughs> and, and what happened was Joseph Smith, pretty cool with black people, you know, not like as cool as he should be. Cause he didn't, he didn't like interracial marriage. But like, pretty cool with black people. That was a problem with him in the state of Missouri because they weren't cool with black people. And uh, Brigham Young, so Joseph Smith dies, Brigham Young takes over. Brigham Young not cool with black people. Brigham Young thinks slavery is okay, right? And Brigham Young's like, no, uh, our scriptures tell us they were they were marked by God. Uh, black people were marked by God because uh, of Cain, Right, they're from the house mm-hmm. of Cain, um, and so no, they don't. They don't get to hold the Melchizedek priesthood. They don't get to be. Uh, they don't get to do temple stuff. They don't. They don't get that same kind of eternal marriage. And because the church didn't want to say that Brigham Young was a piece of shit, they went along with it until 1979. And that's not to say that other people weren't racist in between them, but. The problem with the church is that when you have a guy who's supposed to be infallible, Mm -hmm. when he makes the mistake, it's really hard to fix that mistake. You have to
1: kind of explain it without saying he's wrong because you can't say that.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I give this film a lot of credit because they talk a lot about those hard Mormon subjects. The, The one that they don't talk about is polygamy. That doesn't come up in this at all. Yeah. Um, and it would in reality. In reality, somebody's. Bringing oh, them absolutely! Up. I, I yeah, um, I was
1: surprised they didn't, but I know why they
0: did. Right. So after this, this uh, couple of just schools, banks. Um, they meet up with the other elders and the sister missionaries on the top of this roof.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, <laughs> it, I'm at, trying at, to like look, sunset.
1: Yeah, it's like it's like the roof of like an apartment complex, but they do not live at a nice apartment complex. Right. So it's it's just like I don't probably someone like they a, know.
0: Yeah, like or they they snuck on the top of this roof or something. But they're basically having like a picnic on the top of this roof. And uh Banks and uh um Alan are like sitting off to the side. And I'll put the clip in for this for sure, but banks tells his story right and how like in a very relatable moment for me well not mm-hmm. that i'm black not that i'm black but he's like uh i didn't know about this stuff until after i was baptized there's so much shit you don't know about until after you're baptized
6: i didn't even know about this stuff until after i was baptized it Took me for a loop you know it's like the lord just let me smack up against the big brick wall I read everything I could find on it, and I asked everybody else what they thought. (laughs) (laughs) I call this guy, this African guy, uh, I mean a real African guy, (laughs) this Mormon guy, and I didn't even meet him, I just knew that he was black. (laughs) He didn't
0: help any.
1: I really Um, liked his part where it's like, he's very just like, what did I get into? Yeah.
0: Real? No. He, Deshaun Terry, if you're listening, <laughs> great fucking so he's, job.
1: He's actually Mormon, right?
0: Yeah, no. Is that no. what you said? No, Deshaun Terry is not Mormon. What? So, And that's something that he took, that uh, Dutcher took heat on a little bit, is that most, a lot of the actors in this are not Mormon. Right? Like, Banks isn't Mormon, Sandoval's not Mormon, they're not Mormon. Yeah. Um, Honestly, I don't even think Alan's Mormon. Um
1: Yeah, yeah, I looked him up a little bit too on IMDb.
0: Hecraft Craft is Mormon and he looks Mormon. Yeah, he does. <laughs> um So so there af- after the scene that I cut in with Banks just being like he should have got a nomination for an Academy Award for that scene. It's so good. Um they so the rest of the group, they're talking about like Franck is probably leaving because mm-hmm. she's been there for seven months and you switch wards, right? Um, that's something that they do. They're, they're just having like a, you know, people in their early 20s hanging out on the roof at sunset moment. Um, that feels kind of secular because there's like it does, me- men and women mixing, like, you know. And then uh, Sandoval gets on like the, the corner of the roof. I hated and, this part. <laughs> He's like, I am Sandoval the Lamanite. And he just like starts fucking uh, chastising the city of Los
1: Angeles. It feels like someone that someone would do on like a youth group retreat or oh, like, a, sure. like a Christian summer camp right. to be like, I'm the wacky, like even like outgoing, evangelical, like evangelical kid. And be
0: like, shut up. So, So Sandoval, as you can tell by the name, the Latino guy, and he calls himself sandoval the lamanite that is actually a thing that like some brown mormons do they call themselves lamanites because if you're not familiar in the mormon faith they believe that uh followers of Laman that started worshiping animals and stuff god turned their skin dark Mm -hmm. uh, to separate them from the nephites And the white people in America, (laughs) in the Americas. um, And that they weren't supposed to mix with them. They weren't supposed to, you know. And that's the Native Americans. That's the, you know, Mexicans and the Guatemalans and all that. They're all Lamanites. Um, I knew a, a Native kid who, he called himself a Lamanite. And it made me super uncomfortable Mm. and you know what I mean like it's just I don't know I can't get it
1: yeah it's just weird like calling yourself by a nickname by a group that gave you that nickname for not not giving them a nickname but as far as like describing different ethnicities
0: and cultures
2: yeah
1: it feels weird to take like to take that as like a badge of honor or like a name that you want to use
0: and in the book of mormon to be fair there are good lamanites (laughs) <laughs> there are there are there are they have they have, one, they have, one they, of the they have yeah they have lamanite friends right i have friends that are lamanites um <laughs> <laughs> no there are good lamanites they're not exclusively bad people um so it's not but what i'm saying is that it's not within the mormon church it's not considered like a bad thing but come on it kind of is yeah it's yeah
1: it's once you start going in that tract of you know, even, like, the conversation that Banks has with the black couple, it's like, yeah, right. no, all their points are valid, dude.
0: Right. So, so then, uh, back in the apartment, that's when Kinneger goes into his, like, super emo rant about how, like, what if it's not real, right? Like, what if it's, what if all Christianity is fake? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we've th- all had those moments. Yeah, and and he says something that it's very real for Mormons. This is a real thing that is probably true. Kindergur's like, what if you like get all the way up to being like an apostle and then you find out it's all a lie, and and that's probably true. The the apostles, the first presidency, they probably have access to all of the information, mm-hmm. and they know that it's all a fucking lie, right? Um, but at that point, what do you do? You just convince just other people. Just roll with them, it. Yeah, you roll with it. And- <laughs> You've
1: invested your whole life and well-being and everything into, the- yeah. Like, I think he, like, he has good points. It's, but he, like, Alan finds him at the table at night, and he's got all these, it's like this tiny dining room table that they eat at, and he's got all these books around him, and his yeah. head's just down on the table, yeah. like, what am I doing?
0: Um... The next morning, Alan goes with a no-name missionary, one of the ones that's not important. And uh, they visit Pops in the hospital in such a trope scene. I mean... Yep, yep. <laughs> I
1: called this from a mile
0: away. You want to talk about it? What happens? So
1: they go in, they go in, you know, one of the hospital staff members is making up the bed. And he just looks at him like, he's gone. They're like, he died? It's like... No, he's gone. He ran away because yeah. you know he's a terminal brain cancer patient. <laughs> so they,
0: so they, they go to the to the river where the baptisms happening. And uh, was it a
1: river? Or was it the ocean? It looked like it was just like the seaside. Uh,
0: it's, prob- it's probably the ocean. Um, it, that's actually probably exactly what it is. So the ocean. I'll tell you. In reality, they're probably getting baptized in a baptismal font in a ward. That's what I that, figured. That, that's they're That's
1: LA. Come on.
0: That's not to say that live-water baptisms don't happen, right? And so like it's it, it's possible that they they chose to or they have a spot they like, you know, um, it, it makes for a cool scene. Um, and it was probably too expensive to film inside a church. <laughs> probably. <laughs> um, cuz none of the scenes in this movie are filmed in the uh, Mormon church.
1: That's true. Um,
0: so, uh, which is probably because Dutcher... I mean, I know that later he worked with the church. I don't know how much he wanted to tell the church what he was doing right away. Um, so, because this is the first real one. Yeah. Um, so Dalton's baptizing in some woman that we don't know. And Benny's not there. Benny's supposed to get baptized. Yeah. He's not there.
1: Which, I mean... That's kind of, I was like, do they really expect Benny on crutches to like
0: go down to the wet sand in the ocean?
1: <laughs> so I thought maybe like he's going to do a different one.
0: At the baptism, Frank comes up to, no, Alan comes up to Frank and sits down and he's like, I promise you won't be rude to me. And she's like, I wasn't rude to you. Oh God, I was rude to you basically. Right. She yeah. doesn't say that, but yeah. Um, and then she, she tells him why she's on her mission.
1: I mean it must have um, been that her her time a month last time they spoke because she was right. really bitchy and now she's just like I'm so sorry I was so rude so it's like a really it's still a weird conversation it is obviously it is. like she's they like have she's attraction like, but they can't really she's like go on a date or anything
0: I'm sorry do you forgive me <laughs> um, yeah but yeah. she's like do you know why I went on my mission he's like because you couldn't get married and which is <laughs> you know a very Mormon thing. And uh, she's like, no, I was going to get married. Uh, I was engaged to a guy who went on his mission. When he came back, he gave his testimony. And I wanted to be that like solid in my faith. And I wasn't. So I told him I was going to go on my mission. And he wrote for me for a couple of weeks, but he doesn't write anymore. right? Yeah. And she's like, I wrote to him every day and I loved him so much. <laughs> like, dramatic, like and she's it, so dramatic. Um, and, and but but it's a really real scene because like that's true. Like w- women, like I don't know how it is now. I'm not going to speak for it now. It's probably pretty similar. But like when I was a Mormon, women weren't really encouraged to go on their mission. Like you went, on, figured, your mission, like you you went on your mission, you went on your mission. Your guy you, goes out, right? You, you go on a mission if you can't get married.
6: Do you? And,
1: if if a Sorry to interrupt. The if a yeah. male LDS, what what have you, whatever the nomenclature is, if they go out, are I mean, I guess you're supposed to you just have like a long distance relationship during that time and like write letters and talk on the
0: phone and stuff. You're not really supposed to go visit a missionary, but it, it does happen. Like for like domestic, yeah, you know, it, like there are people who live in Washington who get on sent on missions in Oregon. And you can't you can't really expect you know what I mean like that's not that common but that kind of thing happens right like pops and Alan they they go to check on Benny and then Alan remembers where's Benny right Alan remembers that the sex workers had an (laughs) an appointment and um he's he's like what about the girls you know the girls right and and pops is not worried because. You cut to the girls, they're in their apartment, they're straightening things up, they're hiding the booze bottles, and they hear the doorbell ring, and they answer the door, and it's the sister missionaries.
1: Yeah, they send the frumpy, uh, very chaste, prude girl missionaries to the sex worker's house, apartment, whatever. Right. And they're all like super bummed out.
0: (laughs) They're super bummed out. Bait and switch. So Alan and Pops, they go to Benny's house, but Benny's not there. Uh, and then they talk about dads. They talk about each other's dads. Um, yeah, this, this part was deep. Dalton's like, you know, my dad's not a member yet. And then um, Alan's like, tell him about his birth dad. And he's like, mm-hmm. uh, I haven't seen him since I was seven. He took me to a baseball game. Then he gave me a baseball sign by Hank Aaron.
4: I don't remember much about him. Just, um that he took me to this baseball game once. And the last time I saw him, he gave me this autographed baseball. Hank Aaron. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. But then uh, when I was 13 and I saw uh, Hank's real signature on a baseball, didn't look anything like mine.
5: <laughs> no way.
4: Mm-hmm. That's the kind of guy he was, huh?
0: Alan tells Dalton, about his stepfather, the one that he's sealed to for eternity.
1: The one that's in prison.
0: The one that's in prison that B Croft mentions in prison. And Marissa, I don't know, when you when you heard he was in prison, is is like what were you thinking was the reason he was in prison?
1: Uh, maybe it's like some burglary or like some white collar crime <laughs> something stupid. Like, you know, a soul, or maybe he got involved with drug dealing. Oh, it's is an more-
0: assault, all right. It's an assault. Oh. <laughs> he so he he molested kids. Uh Brandon Allen's Mormon father, the, the man that converted Brandon and his mom to the Mormon faith, is a child molester. He molested children out of state on trips. Probably as a scout leader. I think that's kind of like alluded. Because, um, like, he's going on trips out of state and mm-hmm. he's molesting children. Uh, and the Mormon church did have that Boy Scout mol- molestation scandal.
1: Oh, yeah. So
0: I do think that it's, like, supposed to be a vague reference to that.
1: Yeah, that's what I – I mean, my brother was in Boy Scouts and it was at a Mormon, Mormon right. ward or temple or whatever they call it.
0: And you can believe that I was in Boy Scouts. Uh, but... Russell,
1: is this going to be a very special episode? <laughs>
0: No, that didn't happen. But okay. I uh, want to say that, like, this is a really heavy th- theme. It's a real, a real theme, uh, specifically related to like LDS. Mm-hmm. Um, at, like, there are people who genuinely deal with this crisis, where you know, because religion. Of all sorts, but especially something that is like the Mormon faith that is so, um, like in its own bubble, mm-hmm. um,
1: very close ties, family. Right.
0: You, you do see predators take advantage of that and lure, you know, people into a trap. Um, yeah. so, uh, Alan's mom is leaving the church she wants her names off the roll so she's fucking serious about it and because she can't separate according to alan you know the good stuff from the bad right Mm -hmm. and i think that's fair i think it's a fair point yeah justifiably Um, so i'll say that the dialogue isn't great The scene um it's very
1: it. sudden like this is not what you know talking about a signed baseball and like yeah my stepdad was like kind of shitty wait was that his stepdad or his bio dad that gave him the baseball
0: that was his this bio dad that was the, okay. the, the the good dad of the two but uh
1: <laughs> <laughs> not a not a high bar at that point
0: i don't know
1: i think he has i think it's it's one of those points where yeah he's on his mission but i think he right. really needs to talk to like a
0: therapist <laughs> I think I think you're right. I, I don't think the, the the 36-year-old, 29-year-old dude dying of brain cancer.
2: Right.
0: Um who He's tells like, you like I can to suck I, can, I can, Yeah, I can all <laughs> on
1: you you're going to die soon.
0: So yeah, so that's that's that big combo. That's that big 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 reveal about Brandon Allen that does seem to come out of left field.
1: Yeah, because I want to say this was when they were on the porch at, like, Benny's house. and
0: They're on the porch at Benny's house, and Benny's not there.
1: Yeah, and they're just like, in the meantime, while we're looking for him, um, let's talk about this.
0: Right. Um, Anything else you want to say about that?
1: I don't think so. It was just, there's, I mean, obviously this movie is a drama, but to some of the It has some really weird tonal shifts. I
0: mean, really, really weird tonal. So I think that the problem is, it is definitely a dramedy. I think you can... I hate that term, but you can call it that successfully. Um, The problem is that, like, the comedy parts are very separate from the dramatic parts.
1: Yeah, it's like the whole pranking and... There, I'm counting, there's two scenes at least where like one of the guys is like sitting on the toilet and they just bust in with a disposable camera and start
0: taking pictures. I'm like, right. that is, dude, you know, <laughs> not cool. And that night, Alan sleep with he wakes up and Kinniger had left all of his anti-Mormon books for Alan at yeah. the bus station. Yeah, he's got
1: a stack of like four like hardcover <laughs> books about like, he doesn't even look at him. He just like, I don't know, the top one says like why Mormons are wrong or something.
0: Right, and so Dalton... He gets Dalton up, and Dalton, like, fucking trashes the kitchen. Yeah. He, like, throws yeah, Oh the- my god! <laughs> he, like, flips the table over. And,
1: and, like, part of me is like, you know, you guys are going to have to, like, you don't have a mate or, like, any other no. sort of people living here besides yourselves. Like, you're going to have to clean it up, and you're probably going to have to have, like, the newbie mission. You're probably going to have another one of the guys clean it up because you're not going to make, you know, Dalton the terminal brain cancer patient
0: no. clean it up. Alan's probably gotta clean it up. He's a fucking baby. Right. Right. Um, he's like, give me a
2: roommate distraction.
0: Dalton and Alan go to the bus station, and Kenegar's sitting there. He's got a shit-eating grin on his face, mm-hmm. and he's like, he's like, you guys want to come with me? Like, yeah. um, and uh, Dalton fucking grabbed Kenegar by like the throat. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Read those books that I left you. There's a lot of things in there you should know.
3: Hands off me!
5: Look, I've read everything you've read and then some. Why do you think it took me four years to join the church? Because I had to know every stupid accusation. You're gonna go home. You're gonna do your research, and then you're gonna wish you could come back. But guess what? Now I know what you're thinking. Look at you. You were so afraid that you were just gonna disappear. And maybe I'd believe a little more too if I had cancer.
1: So I saw this and I was like, if anyone else is in that there's apparently no one in this bus station. There's like no employees. There's no one else waiting. If that happened, they would be like calling the cops and being just like, this guy is like assaulting another guy. Like oh, he's like if, slamming him up, up against the wall. Like, I don't even remember. Does he put him in like a chokehold at one
0: point? No, no, but he's just like he, he's got him by, he's got his like by the throat. Yeah, and, yeah. And, at, like if Banks was there, somebody would have called the cops. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, let's just say that. But Banks is standing there, not doing nothing, and they probably would have still called the cops. <laughs> um, but uh, Kinniger talks shit about Dalton having cancer, and yeah. <laughs> he tries to get uh, Alan to come with them because you know that's what atheists do. Yeah, <laughs> they're they're the pushy ones. Um, and and Kenninger leaves. He leaves. Then Alan expresses doubts, and Dalton's basically like, "You got to figure it out. I can't do it for you."
1: I'm actually really glad they didn't like convince him to stay. I will say that. Yeah, like I was kind of expecting that. And He's like, "Okay, guys," but he- no, actually, he's like, "Screw you guys. I'm leaving." And so then- so,
0: and it's 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 part as like I told you before the podcast, like a couple days ago, that there's a lot of missionary folklore in this. Mm-hmm. And, and that's one of those things like I've talked to enough return missionaries and they all talk about how a guy couldn't cut it and that's just not statistically possible right like it's just a story that you tell about somebody couldn't cut it and they left or I I thought about leaving or I was I was at the bus station and I was gonna leave and it's like come yeah. on. Alan's got doubts he stays up all night and he's trying to figure this shit out and then he starts to try to pray And he physically he can't pray. Did did this scene make sense to you?
1: I mean, he kept taking a chair and like figuring out how to like kneel with it to pray. And I'm sure there's something I'm not catching. But he was just, he had like a, he had like writer's block, but for prayer.
0: So, okay. So the first vision, which was mentioned earlier in the movie, is, do you know about the first vision at all? Can we talk about it for a second? Okay. So the accepted church version of the first vision, I'm not going to go into all the different accounts that Joseph Smith gave, but the accepted version is that a 14 year old Joseph Smith was perplexed about what church to join. Cause where he was at it was a big religious movement, and there was a bunch of like different people vying for his attention. And he goes to the grove and he prays for God to tell him, or, or he tries to pray. He tries to pray. And he can't. It's like Satan is stopping him from praying, right? Mm. And then he's filled with emotion, and that's when God appears before him, right? And gotcha. so that's so like that an illusion. That, that. Okay. Okay. So so then he feels the spirit for like the first real time in his life, right? When when Laura's saying she felt the spirit earlier, he feels mm-hmm. the spirit. And he wakes up the next day and he's like, he wakes Dalton up for the first time. And he's like, let's go do some good. And they go to the uh, old Mexican guy's house and his daughter's not there. It's just them. It's just him. Yep. And Alan, you know, has confidence for the first time. And he says, this is true. I feel the spirit. Do you feel it? And the guy's like, ah, right. (laughs) And He's like, I'm busy. Can we go? And 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 Alan does his power move, right? He's like, Yeah, we'll go. Uh, do you mind if we pray <laughs> before before you go? Uh, will you say the prayer? And they all kneel. He's like, Mind if we kneel, right? And so they kneel. And the same thing happens to this guy. He can't pray. He try- start. He's, he's trying to say Our Father and who are in heaven. He's.
1: I mean, he's trying to say the Lord's prayer, but yeah, he was just he like.
0: I think he just forgot the words. <laughs> well, spoiler alert. Three years later, he dies. He, he might just be of a heart attack. He might just be having angina in that moment. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> he's having a medical emergency and they're just like, just do the
1: prayer. We got some oil on standby.
0: So the idea yeah. is that he's, he, he has a spirit. He feels the spirit. And missionaries are leaving. So Laura had come in and she sees this.
1: Yeah, she's, like, in the kitchen, like, overhearing what's happening right. and, like,
0: watching it without their knowledge. And when they're leaving, she runs out and she hugs them. She's so great. She gives
1: them a full frontal hug. No side <laughs> hug.
0: <laughs> no side hug. Wraps her uh, arms around uh, Alan's a, neck. like
1: <laughs> Yeah, it's like, yeah. <laughs> it's, an, it's an intense hug.
0: That night while they're praying, Pops finally gets the idea to call the hospital about Benny I don't know yeah. like it's a fucking Benny's, day later. Like Benny
1: has been missing this whole time after not yeah. uh, not coming to his baptism and right. they like go to his house and like no one's answering the door or anything right right,
0: right. so like, he, okay. call, he calls the hospital he finds out Benny was there and he was released an hour ago and so they go to Benny's house and the sister missionaries show up and brother Rose is there I think brother Rose took him um and Benny Benny was mugged. And yeah. he didn't have he didn't have any money. And so they beat him harder. And that scene is really I'll put I'll put it in. That scene is like uh Dalton's like, they wouldn't have sent you home if you weren't gonna be okay. And he's like, They sent me home because I don't have any money.
5: It's <laughs> just walking. You know? It's just walking. I took your money. I didn't have any money. They saw that I didn't have any monies, so they beat me even more. I can't even walk. I can't sit up. It hurts so bad. I
6: think I'm infected.
5: I'm going to die. Benny, you're not going to die. I wouldn't have... Released you from the clinic if you were going to die. They sent me home because I, I don't have any money. They send me home because I don't have any insurance.
2: I'm
1: <laughs> like number one. No, this guy, like this guy. He was already like using crutches to walk. He has like right. cerebral palsy or something, and right. he gets mugged and like beaten pretty severely. But then there's right. no like specific thing. They're like they don't know what's wrong with me. Um, it's like, does he have like internal bleeding or any broken bone? Like, he's, he's like, he's like, like, do you think, like, do
0: you think I'm infected?
1: Yeah. He's just like, like laying on like some like tiny, like little twin size bed. Um, and you're like, is uh, what the hell's going on? And then I do remember that Benny's, was it Benny's sister? Benny's like- sister.
0: So like, she's really upset. She's talking to the, the sister missionaries and she, then she comes into the kitchen where Dalton is and she talks to him and go ahead. Well, and
1: then he's like can't someone do something and then I think doesn't it come up that um, that Dalton went to medical school yeah. for a couple of years like, She's so, like
0: she's like might know like, something the sister's like they, they, they say you're a doctor
1: Elder Dalton they say you're a doctor
5: oh I uh I never finished medical school
1: I'm sorry but is there anything you can do <laughs> And, and you're like, yeah, no, not really.
0: <laughs> but but that's not what Dalton does. Dal- Dalton realizes there is something he can do. And also, he goes. Oh, go ahead. At the,
1: at the same time, if I recall, he was like at their house and he was like taking his pills for his brain tumor. I guess he like was taking it. He's taking his
0: pay. Yep.
1: He's taking his meds, and I literally thought he was going to be like, I can give these payments to Benny, like. <laughs> he could have just given him his pain meds or something, but no, so, he, he throws his medication down the sink. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he goes uh into uh he he goes to his stuff, he gets his oil, and <laughs> he gets and, the canola
1: oil out of the kitchen.
0: <laughs> he gets his oil and he goes uh to Benny with Alan and Alan says the first blessing and then Dalton blesses him, and in Dalton's blessing he says, you can walk. And Benny gets up, and he fucking walks. This is a part brushes. of the movie where
1: I'm like, no, no, <laughs> no,
2: no, no.
5: Benjamin Yao, by the authority of the Melchizedek priesthood, I seal this anointing. And following the prompting of the spirit, I leave a blessing with you. Our Savior has told us that if we knock, you will answer. If we ask, we shall receive. Benny, our Father in heaven has heard your many prayers these many nights as you have asked for the ability to walk. This day, Benny, you will receive this great blessing through your faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and through the power of the priesthood. You may rise from this bed and walk, and from this day forward you will walk and not be weary and you will run and not faint this is the blessing you desire and this is the blessing that our father in heaven desires for you and i leave it with you in the name of jesus christ amen
0: i've been blessed by oil several times in my life but when i was about 11 uh we had the the home teachers over uh, I don't think you're not familiar with home teachers. When I say that. that doesn't mean anything to you, right? A home teacher, a home teacher. Yeah. So like in the Mormon faith, they don't do it anymore. They have a new program called like uh, ministering, I think. But okay. back in my day, they had a program called home teachers where like once a week, two guys from your church who have been called to be your home teachers show up and they they teach you church in your living room. to your family like
1: that sounds uh, so fun
0: yeah oh yeah so like um i'm 11 they're over for dinner my mom made chili dogs and i uh i get heartburn right oh you had
1: heartburn at 11 that's so sad
0: oh dude i have so many fucking problems but yeah i had heartburn when i was 11 (laughs) and uh i'm getting heartburn. And I'm trying to, like, ask for some Tums, right? But before I can say anything, this one uh, brother from my church, one of the home teachers, he's like, do you want me to bless you? And before I can answer, my mom's like, yes, please, God, please. (laughs) And so these two dudes prayed over me and blessed that my heart would go away. And it did. Um, It it went away. So it's kind of like when Benny walks. (laughs) It's the same level of miracle. (laughs) Um, I took another bite of chili dog. My heartburn came back.
1: Did you just have Um, to keep
2: blessing (laughs) you? (laughs)
0: Um, But that's, that is, there is, there are definitely members of the church who take that blessing uh so seriously and they put it on that level of like actual medical care and um or even ahead of actual medical care oh that's yeah it's not good uh they don't portray that in the movie thank god but there are definitely people who the most important thing is getting that blessing and not calling 911 right yeah yeah um but I don't know. I always thought it was weird having somebody do that.
1: Do they just keep like a little thing of oil on them?
0: Oh yeah. Always. Oil you know that's been blessed. Is it like
1: coconut oil? Like sunflower it's, oil? It's
0: usually olive oil. I mean... Like,
1: Biodiesel oil that's recycled from a fast that. food restaurant?
0: Uh, it's actually uh, 5W30. <laughs> <laughs> um. So... So so he he walks, right? Um, and Brother Rose is taking him home afterwards because he sees it. He sees the blessing and then he sees uh, Benny walk. And they're in the car and very dramatically Brother Rose takes his cup of coffee dumps it out.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: it was um, a long
1: call though. Benny could have walked. walked this whole time.
0: <laughs> they uh they gave then Alan and, and Pops go to the room and Alan's like it was such a great day <laughs> he's like yeah, he is pumped <laughs> and and he's like this is so great Pops and you know when you see that scene you're like oh Pops you know you fucking know die <laughs> so the next morning um Alan wakes up and he's like companion prayers let's go Pops
1: yeah he's and like he's super
0: like- stoked <laughs> He'd like, push it, pops, but pops is dead.
1: Pops is dead. Uh, he does apparently, he can't tell from like rigor mortis that he's just like shaking him and he's like, Wake up! Do, and then it, it hits him, you know, that this man had a terminal brain tumor.
0: Um, leaving the hospital, do you know why he died? Because, because he
1: like gave his health to Benny or something, probably, right?
0: Like, no, he, no, 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 he died because. Nobody blessed him with oil and specifically <laughs> said cure this guy's brain cancer.
1: That's so true. They, they nobody a job.
0: like they're all like you know stop his seizure, but like nobody thought to say cure my, cure this guy's fucking cancer. Right.
2: That's <laughs> so, so
0: true. Um. So pops' dad shows up in a one really awkward scene where he's like. I'm yeah. his
1: dad. <laughs> he's like, I'm I'm Dalton's dad. Um
0: and I'll, I was he was sorry, I'm a sorry. fail
1: son. I think he I think Dalton was a fail son because he oh, was in medical sure. school and then he's like, I'm gonna join the LDS <laughs> church.
0: And 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 Dalton, what we learned earlier is Dalton's dad's a janitor, and he's a working man, and his son dropped out of medical school after the second year. You only have one more year left, and yeah. he drops out to fucking go be a missionary. <laughs> Yeah. Where you don't get paid. Um Dalton
1: makes some life choices. I think so, I think God actually cursed him. God was not he's like he should have been a
0: doctor. Right. So so death Pops' dad is is there and he's gonna take the body home. And like the funeral director is like trying to run the show, and he's like, uh, we need people to, to come grab these handles. And B Croft, just such a white dude boss is like we'll, we'll, we'll take it from here
2: like- if a few of you will come
5: forward and grasp the casket by the handles firmly Actually, then we'll, we'll proceed we'll it to the
3: he just give us a few minutes alone we'll take
1: care of it sure. thank you it's so <laughs> funny too because it's like it's like when they're carrying out his coffin it's taking place in like an airplane hangar but you yeah. don't and they like bring his coffin outside the airplane hangar but yeah. you never see it go on a plane no, or you you know, like, it's just like his his like
0: his they could, like it was a $300,000 movie.
1: His little <laughs> like, his little, like yeah. memorial service is taking place in like a warehouse looking airplane hangar and then they yep. just carried out the doors.
0: Right? This this funeral director though, he's like, "I just want to fucking go home." I know. <laughs> this isn't the funeral. We're just taking the fucking body to another state so they can bury it. Like they're going to do a service there like just load this fucking thing up. like, <laughs> like uh, But B-craft, B-Craft at the uh, urging of the elders says a few words and talks about how Dalton wasn't perfect and how he flirted with his wife. Yeah. Um, <laughs> after they load Pops on the plane, Alan gets a new companion. Um,
1: oh, this guy.
0: <laughs> who's another spud. No, he's not a spud. The guy that replaced Kiddger He's actually is from spud. SLC, right? Yeah, he's from he's yeah he's from SLC, and there's a really subtle thing that we're gonna get to, but in the epilogue, which I'm gonna play, I don't know if I'll play the whole epilogue because it's three minutes long. But
1: yeah, it's, they they go into everyone's subsequent <laughs> life right.
0: history. So what you find out is that Alan, Ellen swoops in like a vulture, and he gets Dalton's three baptisms. Yeah, he uh, just snatches. So
2: <laughs>
1: He, did, he didn't even have to do any of the work, <laughs>
0: right? So, and then, and then afterwards, they talk to a bunch of Benny's friends, 15, fifteen of them, and they convert like eight or nine of them.
1: Yeah, it's like it's like <laughs> insane statistics.
0: Well, I mean, the dude's walking; he didn't walk before. That's like, I mean, but
1: it's like you have to, you just have to, con- <sighs> you just have to perform a miracle to get your conversions.
0: <laughs> so then, then you find out that Carla, the sex worker, that read the Book of Mormon. Uh, a couple of years later, she was baptized after a major uh, career change. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they say. Yeah. Um, so th- then he goes over what everybody's doing, right? And what I want to talk about is that before that, he meets uh, his new companion, right? And this big, tall dude from Salt Lake City, and he uh, is praying. And do you remember what he's praying for?
1: Uh, it's something really
0: stupid. He's praying for his sister to get a job. His sister's trying to get a job. Okay. Right? It, okay.
1: I, I thought it was stupid in the grand scheme of things.
0: Okay. But but so this is really subtle. I It feels like it could be intentional. But let me tell you what happens. In the epilogue, Sister Monson, the other sister missionary, mm-hmm. she goes home. Yeah, she goes. she's also from Salt Lake City.
6: And oh.
0: She, I and see she, where you're getting and she gets a job.
4: Sister Monson went home and somehow within a year she became a secretary for one of the general authorities.
0: The reason why that's important is cuz her last name is Monson. At that time Monson was the name of like the number 1 dude in the first presidency. He was Gordon B. Hinckley's number two guy. Became the prophet of the church when Gordon B. Hinckley died. So, like, it's a little like allusion to it's kind of like a little little, uh, Easter egg. Yeah, yeah. It's well, it's 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 like for Mormons who who like know like if you have certain last names, you get. You'd be like, I know why. I know why they got that job. (laughs) Right. Right. So. and it feels so intentional because that's the only reason why they say that. It would say that, you know what I mean? The last couple of things to talk about with the epilogue is Alan goes to, after his mission, he transfers his credits to BYU and like the first day his teacher gets sick or something.
4: My first day of class, my freshman English teacher became ill and was permanently replaced by a graduate student named Janine Frank. We were married two months later. Somehow I
0: still got to see in English. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, there's some other things that happened, but they're not that important. So yeah, I promised we were going to talk more about Dutcher, and, and now we are. Okay. Um, after he made God's Army and changed uh, Mormon Cinema Forever by essentially <laughs> creating it, right, um, he, came, he followed it up with uh, the 2001 film uh, Brigham City, which is like a, a Mormon uh, murder thriller, starring Dutcher, of course, and Wilford <laughs> Brimley. Um, and it's it's pretty good. I've seen it. Um, it d- it did not make as much money at the box office. Uh, I think it made like eight hundred and fifty seven thousand with a budget of like nine hundred thousand. So so um barely broke even, right? Um. I'm sure after all the merch for Brigham City, they broke <laughs> even. Um,
1: I would love a hoodie that just says Brigham City with like <laughs> Wilford Brimley on it. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a great. deep cut. You, you're going to have to be pretty knowledgeable out about uh, the Mormon cinematic universe,
0: right? So, so at this point, though, Dutcher's profile is, is kind of blowing up in the Mormon community, yeah, and in 2003 he announced two new projects uh, that were going to be financed by Utah jazz owner, Larry Miller, super rich dude. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) This is what you spend your money on. (laughs) The first was a sequel to God's army called States of grace.
1: Oh man.
0: And uh, we might maybe down the road, watch that one because. Oh, it exists. Oh yeah. It exists. Oh, Um, I've seen that one. It's uh, the. So Beecroft is in it, and Banks is in it, and that's those are the that's only it. people who carry the, over. Yeah, there's no, um, uh,
1: there's knowing no glowing Jedi uh, Dalton just like no, nodding in approval. No,
0: no. but uh, um, it's got a bunch of new characters. Neither Banks nor Beecroft is like a big character. They just um, like
1: show up, and you're like, hey, those guys.
0: Yeah, right. Like, wow. uh, but, um. It didn't make hardly any money at the box office. Uh, It was released in 2005. And the other project that he announced in 2003 uh, was a $12 million budget film. It was a biopic called The Prophet about Joseph Smith. And this movie, like Val Kilmer's name was attached to the title role. Oh, man. Um, F. Murray Abraham was going to... Uh, play the the villain, Governor Thomas Ford. I mean, he's like always um,
1: the perfect villain, right? In, in anything, man. So that movie exists in another in an alternate dimension somewhere. Well,
0: so let's talk about what happened with the Prophet. Um, it it stalled out in limbo, obviously, um, and States of Grace gets released. It only made two hundred four thousand dollars at the box office. Uh, that's the sequel to God's Army and uh in 2007
1: and you've seen that one
0: i've yeah i've seen saints of grace it's you know it's not bad it's it's not it just it didn't i think because at this point in 2005 mormon cinema had become really saturated particularly with like just shitty comedies like, <laughs> like, yeah, like the Singles Ward and the the RM two that I mentioned last time, and even uh, Momsters and Mormons are all just like, these like family, the shitty family comedies. Yeah, I
1: kind of, um, admittedly, I do kind of want to watch those because it's is it like it's like clean humor, right?
0: Like appropriate oh yeah, clean humor. Um, we we can watch if we watch any of them. I think we should watch Singles Ward because I was still Mormon when I saw it, and so so it kind of fits into this and. Because Richard Dutcher makes an appearance in it.
2: Oh
1: snap! Yeah, we got to watch pl- that.
0: He, he plays a guy who's offended by the toilet humor in God's Army.
1: <laughs> really? Are you serious? Yeah,
0: like, I swear so, to God. I wait, swear that to is God.
1: that is super meta. So he references it's super his, meta. He appears. Does no, he appear? So in as... the movie,
0: in the movie, uh, which maybe I shouldn't tell you because maybe we'll watch it. Okay, yeah, let's don't okay. get too
1: far into detail.
0: I'll, I'll just say they're watching his movie. Oh my god! It, yeah, and uh, he's a neighbor. Okay, um, that's super so, super meta. Just so in 2007, the year the prophet was supposed to be released, uh, Dutcher announced that he was leaving the church. Um, and over the years, he's kind of given various statements about why he left the church, and I think I mentioned earlier when he announced he was leaving the church i remember this in 2007 i remember him announcing my mom showed (laughs) me uh an ensign article about it Mm -hmm. um and he that was when i was like wait was god's army like a secret anti-mormon film that like red filled me (laughs) like um (laughs) put the thoughts into your head right (laughs) so like i really explored what was going on here I was really interested in in what he was saying. So at first he said, "The, the, the private answers, this is a quote, the private answers to the questions I have asked in my prayers and in my films have led me on an unexpected journey, the spiritual path, which may ultimately prove incompatible with Mormon orthodoxy. This understanding has brought me some of the most profound surprises and also the deepest sadness of my life. It is very hard for me to say goodbye to something that I love. In that letter, because it was an open letter mm-hmm. um, in the Provo Herald, um, <laughs> he he also referenced early Mormon Oliver Cowdery. Do you know who Oliver Cowdery is? I
1: don't know.
0: Oliver Cowdery is like the first Mormon. Um, he was, uh, so after Martin Harris uh, took the 116 pages home and his wife like hit it, uh, he fired Martin Harris. And then Oliver Cowdery began, began trans. Uh, translating the stones, like you know, transcribing them. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was the first person baptized by Joseph Smith. Okay. And and then later when Joseph Smith was caught having an affair, uh Oliver Cowdery uh like publicly criticized him and left the church. And oh, then later okay. then later after Joseph Smith's uh death, he, he returned. Oh um,
1: <laughs> didn't like that guy.
0: So um I'll tell you why it's important that he referenced Oliver Cowdery in a second. but um, so, so basically he's saying he's, he's on the spiritual journey and it's led him away from Mormonism, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that letter also really criticizes Mormon filmmakers. Like the shitty comedies that I was talking about, he yeah. like fucking dumps on them in this letter. He's oh. like, y- y'all need to do better. And he's talking about how they don't have heart, that they go for cheap jokes that the general authorities would like. Um, he really criticizes them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it made all these Mormon filmmakers say, well, he's leaving because Mormon cinema is shitty. Like, that's what he's saying. Um, so he, he released another open letter and he was like, no, that's not why I'm leaving. Um, and in this letter, he references another early Mormon. Um, he references Thomas Marsh and the milk and shipping story. Um and he says he doesn't wanna he doesn't want to be treated by the church like Thomas Marsh was. And who Thomas Marsh was was he's an early Mormon who um so this like group of secret Mormon, like secret police basically called the Danites, mm-hmm. um they fucked over a non-Mormon town, and like killed a bunch of people and raped women and stuff, and and Thomas Marsh like openly criticized him, them, and left the church. That's why he left the church. But uh, today, in the modern day, uh, Thomas Marsh is told like as a primary school story about how he left over a dispute about like the milk <laughs> from a cow.
2: Oh God! Like
0: like that cuz he 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 had like a a deal with a dairy cow with uh a member of the first presidency or something and like the story is he left the church over that and it's like a cautionary tale about pride um so
1: wow they really
0: uh whitewash that right for sure so um so he said he doesn't want to be treated like Thomas Marsh so, uh when i read that i was like Okay, I think I know what's going on here, right? Like, he's talking about Oliver Cowdery. He's talking about Thomas Marsh. He had this 2007 uh, Joseph Smith biopic that was never made. He was researching Joseph Smith and to try to make an honest movie mm-hmm. about this guy. And he realized it was all fucking bullshit. Yeah. Right?
1: And if and- he did an honest movie of him, it would be pretty damning, to say the least, it sounds like.
0: And I know that might sound like speculation. But in 2012, I was confirmed correct. Because in an interview with the uh, Salt Lake Tribune, he said, quote, In re- uh, researching the life of Smith for this film, one day I just simply asked myself the question, what if it simply isn't true? Mm. Um, so he pulled so, the vinegar. Exactly. He fucking kindergarten himself
1: like like <laughs> verbatim I think that was in the movie where he's just like
0: what if this like just isn't true and I, I will tell you that i think he's in that same interview he's lying a little bit because he, at that point so in 2007 he's like i'm on this journey and it's led me away from mormonism and in this interview he's saying I've talked to a lot of people in Mormonism and outside of Mormonism and other religions who have had this kind of cataclysmic experience. And usually it's a very gradual thing where people begin to question and they have an erosion of faith over time. For me, it was kind of instantaneous. I call bullshit on that. I I think that maybe he might believe that. Um, That's not where he was. That's not where he was at in 2007 talking about this spiritual journey. But like, if you watch God's army, you already see him doubting.
1: Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah, it's already there. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, like, um, so... But what
1: about the horses?
0: What about the horses? So, if you think we're done with Dutch or we're not, there's just a little bit more, because in 2007, 2008, he released a film called Falling, which is kind of autobi- semi-autobiographical about um, a freelance cameraman who has, like, a crisis of faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a rated r film oh. and um it's the last film that even vaguely references mormonism that dutcher made have you well, seen that one no because it, w- it it had a really limited release we're talking like what, the three or four th- theaters he hasn't really th- done a wider release with it but in 2015, Dutcher sued NBC Universal, alleging that the 2014 Jake Gyllenhaal film Nightcrawler ripped off his 2007 film Falling. In 2019, a U.S. District Court judge, D. Benson, threw the suit out, saying that, quote, no reasonable jury could find that Falling is substantially similar to Nightcrawler. I really kind of want to watch it, because I want to see if it's anything like Nightcrawler. I mean,
1: I've, I've seen Nightcrawler <laughs> multiple times, and right? I really think it's a great movie i
0: and it's a, it's about you know, a freelance uh cameraman right like that's true like that's a similarity between the two that seems like that's it though i don't know we'd have to see it we have to see falling
1: i mean i mean if it's a, if it's similar to nightcrawler then uh richard does some
0: fucked up stuff i know that that it has similar lines or even like verbatim lines, but in the uh, judge's ruling, he said that those similar lines are—or she said, sorry, she said that those similar lines are um, like common cameraman lingo. Yeah, yeah. Like, like there's a line in both. They movies. both said.
1: They both said this is a good shot.
0: She, they, they both say if it bleeds, it leads. <laughs> And like that's apparently like a super common cameraman phrase. Like, you know, freelance. Yeah. 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 Um Weak okay. lossy, Richard. So that's that's Richard Dutcher.
1: I wonder what he's up to nowadays.
0: He's still acting, making his own stuff, basically. Um he also acts in other people's stuff. He doesn't uh he he acts more than he does anything else. Mm. Like he acts more than he writes or directs. Um and I don't think he's a bad actor.
1: He's not. But. It's just it, having my first experience be like he's the writer, the director, <laughs> the producer, and the which, actor.
0: Which is true of like all of his films. I mean, he's not in, he isn't in the sequel to God's Army. It would be hilarious if he was. It really I mean, would. Or be. if anything,
1: they just put like a photo of him on the wall,
0: like in memory. They might do that. Actually, they actually Ooh. might do that. We now we have to have to watch that. I haven't seen that one in a while. I mean, they it's did pretty, that
1: in the in the the Lady Ghostbusters, as I like they to did. call it. They I did. think they just did like a bust of
0: Egon, right? I like to call the uh, original Ghostbusters the men's Ghostbusters. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're, the, you're right about Egon.
1: So, so grand finale is this treasure or a trauma?
0: I think that this is definitely a treasure for me. I think Um, I enjoyed
1: it. I this is my first time seeing it. You did not bother. You did ask me to watch it um, multiple times. I
0: nagged you about it. I did.
1: It's on Um, YouTube. Um, Yeah, it's on YouTube. If anyone wants to watch it, Uh, like you said, you had you had to get a. Didn't you have to get like a bootleg copy when you
0: first saw it? I didn't have to get a bootleg copy. I didn't tell this story. Let me tell this story, and then I'll decide if I want to include it or if I want to get it. This would have been like May, June, probably June 2001. Um, I was in Young Men's, and the grandson of a member of the Quorum of the Twelve, so the grandson of a really important Mormon motherfucker, gave me a bootleg copy of this. And a bootleg copy of an episode of South Park.
1: One episode.
0: One episode of South Park. This is back in 2001. This is 2001. It was the Santa Claus versus Jesus episode of South Park. Um, And obviously, the uh, God's God's Army, the greatest Mormon movie ever made. Yeah, I think bootleg is the way to watch this movie. If you can get away (laughs) with it. Um, but you can also rent it on Amazon Prime for $1.99 if you want to be legal about it.
1: Don't give Uh, Bezos your money.
0: Don't give Bezos your money. Um, maybe give Dutch your money though. I don't think he's doing so great. Yeah. He'll Um, probably,
1: I bet he would send you like a copy in the mail with a handwritten note. Um, if you actually wrote to
0: him. I what I should do is I should I I should write to him and be like, can I see Girl Crazy? And you should totally write falling. to him. I mean, um, you
1: could actually write like a legitimate, poignant letter. It's not it's not like BS. It's
0: I could, yeah, you know, because he he actually does mean a lot to me. Like his that film does mean a lot to me. I just um, want a signed headshot. Of I just want a signed headshot. That twenty nine
1: year twenty <laughs> nine year old dreamboat. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so this is definitely a treasure for me. Like I said, it it led me out of the Mormon church, which is probably a cherished memory for me, I think. Yeah. I think so. I think so.
1: I mean, I, I, I thought it was interesting because like you said, like in hindsight, yeah, there's lots of critical parts and you have someone that leaves and there's not some weird redemption story where they come back and they're like, you know, you guys are right. I kind of like that. I think this a lot is- of cri- – A lot of Christian movies I've seen, they always come back like the prodigal son and admit they're wrong. And but no, it was kind of nice that he's just like, nope. See, I'm taking the bus.
0: And then in the epilogue, you know, Alan's like, I I don't, I don't know if he ever came back to the church, which really just means he didn't come back to the church. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. You know, Um, but and I don't blame him. (laughs) I think I think you could shoot this movie from Kinnegar's perspective, and Kinnegar would look like like a hero. I think he would look like a very courageous person if you shot it from his perspective.
2: Yeah, because we can I feel his like
0: story. Well, I mean, because you know he's going home to Idaho, and he's probably going to be, be ostracized. <laughs> oh, for right? sure. Oh, for sure. So this this experience not, might not be a, a treasure for Kinnegar, but it is for me. I enjoyed it. I'm glad you recommended it. Uh, And I'm excited for our next episode in a couple of weeks. So people can look out for that.
1: Yep. I will have to uh, dig up some memories. I'll see if they're traumatic. I'll let you know.
0: Sounds good.
1: Cool. See you next week.
0: All right. Bye, everybody.